0: Everyone, welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. A reminder, probably a really important one for this episode. Um, we're not a spoiler-free podcast. There's a possibility that we could mention things that come up in the future of Felicity, and that's just how it works. So, warning to all. I am Melissa, and I'm here with my fabulous co host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good today. As always, a little sleepy, but uh-huh. we, uh, we like that. Seems to, seems to work out for us. That and seems to work well for
0: the podcast.
1: Yeah. You're doing it um, for the art. Exactly. I don't, uh, maybe I'm asleep. Maybe I'm doing all the podcasts, just talking to my sleep.
0: That would be interesting. Well, which one are we talking about today, you might ask? We're talking about season two, episode 10, Great Expectations. The original air date for this one is January 16th, 2000. So if you remember, we were setting this up last time. This is the first episode back after a holiday break. And it sure feels like it. Um, and then it was written by Josh Rhimes and directed by Keith Samples. Here's the episode description. Felicity fumes when a medical conference gives her dad an excuse to visit her for two weeks. Meanwhile, Julie gets her demo deal along with further advances from Eric. Ben rethinks the advice Sean gave him about dating Felicity and Noel is off to an awkward start as a teaching assistant okay fish
2: this
0: there was a lot in this episode i was just saying to you that this is actually the this this is the most notes that i've ever written to this point uh it certainly feels like to me the beginning of a uh, you know at the first the second half of the second season um so what where do you want to start with all of this uh
1: i'm thinking just Starting on the plane, I yeah mean, they're coming back, and uh it's a day mm-hmm. um, so yeah, let's just talk about that how um how would you feel if your parents came to college with you nope, nope <laughs> nope
0: <laughs> that that is how I would feel. I think Fish, um, I'll I'll preface this all by saying, you know, when I spoiled you so hard in the Thanksgiving episode, (laughs) um, uh, you know, a couple episodes back, I just, I'm kind of glad I did it because uh, it really did put a different context to our interpretation of that episode. And not long after that, we get this. Yeah. So, you know, knowing what you knew when you see Felicity and her dad on the plane, you might've already had more context to it than Felicity would have had in that moment. Um, so that might've colored your view of this opening a little differently, but no, I wouldn't have felt good if, if I were in her position, dad's coming back For two weeks, he was invited to teach a procedure at the university hospital. Uh, He could have been anywhere. He could have been anywhere.
1: Yep. Yep. And they're flying back together on the same plane. And he's going to be there for two weeks. And you can just see, you know, how they don't know what to do with each other.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know he's talking about the weather and you know astronomy and and he's trying to talk about art but like he I feel like I I feel like in general he's an asshole and he is like really trying hard not to be Mm -hmm. like a, a like alpha male like, I'm taking control heavy on the conflict, kind of person. And in doing that, he is becoming really passive aggressive. Mm. And he is saying things that, you know, I was, I mean, when he, when she was like, oh, you know, um, it was nice to be back. And her dad says, yeah, your mom enjoyed having you there. I was yeah. Just like,
0: Ouch. ouch yeah mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know and the thing is if you if you look at it with this view the view that you would have by the end of this episode if you're looking at this is he's actually kind of physically reeling right now the way Noel was in the last you know in, in that recent episode we saw with him edward porter is a mess and his world is rocked he's actually in this situation kind of reaching out to his daughter as a lifeline she doesn't know that he, and he doesn't want to tell her and he's not supposed to tell her and um and he's been a controlling jerk who's totally out of control in his life right now and that can't he can't know what to do with that and the thing is like his daughter has been changing a lot This is, this person that he's on the plane with is not the person who showed up first day of her freshman year wide-eyed. She's, she's evolved to the point that she is at right now. And he doesn't really know her. So when you said like, you know, they're talking about the weather, he's talking about a gift that he got her that she frankly doesn't even really want. Um, (laughs) He's talking about astronomy and, and he's trying to make these connections with her. And he literally has no idea who she is. Um, And that's really evident in this way that he's trying to build a connection with her because he needs them with somebody. And that's how I can look at this from a compassionate standpoint. But you're right. It's coming off in these, like he's saying things and he's going back to that, like controlling, like whenever he gets an opportunity to have sort of an upper hand, it comes out in this passive aggressive way. Um, And he just, this man has a lot of work to do on himself
1: yeah you know I there were moments where I did have empathy with him Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know during this episode it's just very difficult I think when the person isn't taking maybe like he he's taking actions to kind of not be totally controlling mm-hmm. and and like tell her what to do, but he's doing it in a self-serving kind of way. And it doesn't feel like he's really working on himself. Um, no, no it doesn't. Yeah. So it's just really hard to have empathy, you know, when the person keeps doing <laughs> the things that are clearly hurting his daughter. And she's,
0: you know, so, you know, he, he says on the plane, okay, should be a good two weeks. She says, I think it's going to be a great semester. And then we get that comment from the, you know, over the intercom. Oh, there's going to be some turbulence, you know, (laughs) yuck, yuck on the nose. But yes. So two weeks, this man the amount of helicoptering that happens in the set, like the sheer amount of it. How many yeah. times does he drop by unannounced to her workplace, to yeah. her dorm, when she happens to be looking up whether she's gotten a class or not? I mean, she, he is everywhere.
1: And I that's, actually wrote that. I've got everywhere! Exclamation <laughs> point.
0: It's unbelievable how many times he runs into his daughter and then you know as we get further on there are things that she overtly says do not do this and he does them so what does he think is happening here (laughs) like I understand that he is probably he needs some kind of normalcy he might be in a desperate mode like if you know what you know by the end of the episode at the start it's like okay well he is he's trying to find the only thing that's familiar to him and he's smothering it
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's not familiar anymore. Yeah, yeah. He just, yeah, he does. He he's stopping by all the time, and she. I mean, she starts out that sort of second scene by saying, "You know, this is going to be the longest two weeks of my life." (laughs) Yeah, but at least she sees the end, right? Yeah,
0: there's there's an end date.
1: Yeah, she count the days down like she could deal with this he just you're like all right it's fine we'll just get through it one day at a time oh but man yeah he just he uh just keeps popping up
0: Mm -hmm. the first time he pops up after the plane he shows up at dean and deluca And I don't even know if it's the first time. It's just the first time we are seeing that he's dropped by. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, trying to make a plan with Felicity. She's like, you know what? Got to go check on an oil study class. The number (laughs) of things, legitimate things that she throws out to escape conversation with her father in this episode is stunning. This time I have to go check on my oil study class.
1: um she's always studying she's always in the library or busy with something or I mean yeah she she really has to come up with things because it seems like he would have breakfast lunch and dinner with her yeah
0: and 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 anybody she's with like saying she's with the people doesn't help because he's no. like, Let, let's all go to breakfast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're Great. not helpful either because they're like, free food. Cool. Yeah. Um, way to have her back, guys. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so,
0: well, so in we this situation, to- I, I do want to highlight. So Athena and DeLuca, as her dad is walking out, Ben is walking in. And this is a really loaded moment. For a lot of reasons, because now it seems as though Ben and Felicity are on shifts together again. Ah, okay. So that happened. And so Ben is gonna be in Felicity's world now, but Ben also clocks the fact that he just walked past Felicity's dad. Yeah. Did he know Felicity's dad? Have we? We know that he's met her mom. I mean
1: didn't he, he definitely starts talking, like asking her if she's okay. I don't remember if it was in this first scene, mm-hmm. but like if he didn't know her dad, he does by the end of this episode.
0: Yeah. I can't remember if we've ever seen a moment where Ben was introduced to her dad as her dad. Um, that certainly happened with her mom, mm-hmm. but I just, I'm trying to remember, but anyway, he has an inkling. This is her father.
1: Yeah. He's pretty perceptive in this, uh, in this episode and we've got two things going on, right. With two different male figures, we've got everything going on with her dad Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and him being a mess and just her trying to deal with it. And then we have playful Ben back right he's Mm -hmm. giggly he's smiling he's being cute he's being flirty he's in a good mood he has forgotten how to say javier's name
0: which is so i don't even know why they bothered in this episode,
1: because I, I feel like I, he
0: said Javier correctly in past episodes.
1: Uh, in all of the past episodes. So
0: I don't know why, like this, if you removed these lines where he says Javier incorrectly and then she corrects him and it's a funny joke later, nothing would be missing.
1: <laughs> I think they just didn't want to shoot the scene over again. And so I think he just mispronounced it once and then they made a joke about it in a later scene and they kept it.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: Because <laughs> he's never said his name like that.
0: No. Like, I
1: made you go back and, and do it and watch it again because I was like, why is he pronouncing his name weird?
0: There's another uh, another word that he says that they're going to make an issue out of later. He's They're going to make a point that he says anything instead of anything. And I guess let's just tune in and try to listen to it and see if we find it before they get to that episode. It's going to be a while. Um, But those are the two words that I can think of that they take issue with and how Ben says them. But this Javier one honestly was just contrived for this episode. It was, this was not a thing.
1: Well, in in the script, it it says Javier the first Mm -hmm. time. And then later in the script, it says Javier and then Felicity corrects him so I think he just mispronounced it in this first scene and they didn't want to shoot it again
0: I mean my assumption is that the script that you're seeing is the script before it was shot
1: right um well
0: so I I would think that that was intentional then
1: then why would they have written Javier the first time um
0: i don't know but there have been other things in the scripts that you look at that it's like oh okay that that improvised moment wasn't included or like so this isn't necessarily somebody going back and doing a transcript of what actually happened on the final filmed version of the show this is Mm -hmm. this is a script from before they shot it so if they had the lines later in the episode with felicity correcting him then i guess this was always a thing for this episode
1: and That's this episode
0: alone. weird. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is like the definition of Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Because I'm assuming this is never coming back again.
0: I don't think so. Yeah.
1: Nope. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it's just weird. Um, you know, you can do cute moments like this. Maybe if you have a setup oh. or you can do cute moments like this, if it truly only happens in that one episode, the problem is that Ben has been saying Javier's name for a season yeah so okay that's yeah. fine um
1: but so he's, he's uh he's flirty he's in a good mood he's ready to swim and he's starting over you can tell you know there's something going on with him and yeah this and is Felicity's not...
0: ears are perked up she's like why are you so why are what's happening for you why you're in such a good mood did you get a raise yeah
1: He's like, no, I didn't get a raise. I've decided to date you. Um, but like, he, <laughs> like, this isn't a real reckoning. This is, I, I don't know. It's like he just decided, all right, I, I, I'm just going to date her. and
0: You're going to have to get comfortable being in this murky place for a while. Um, the reckoning that you want them to have just by virtue of like being in a friendly context with each other is not going to happen. There, this half of the season though, will catalyze, uh, a reckoning, but it's, I don't think going to come when it sounds like you want it to.
1: And it's about what I thought it was going to be. It's just, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I mean, this is the way they're dealing with it. Ben has decided that he messed up and he listened to Sean and now he wants to date Felicity again. And so he's trying, he's like back on the chase, right?
0: Well, and you can see, I mean, he says, and I think this is an important thing that he says, he feels like he's starting over and there are a lot of things that could be contributing to that. It's a new year for a lot of people, the new year signals starting over and new year's resolutions and all that. So maybe that happened for Ben. He's looking forward to swim season he was swimming over the break even though we haven't heard him talk about a single sport for a whole half a season. we yay he's committed again. he's loving the pool okay so he's excited about the pool. We also know you know he and things ended with Maggie and uh that was his b-list person. it was this really like whirlwind of a thing he he got wrapped up in it he got smashed to smithereens by her and her husband. And, um, but at the same time, he wasn't necessarily like thinking she was the one. Um, so he, you know, he had this sort of reckless wild experience with her, probably the, the the fun flirty thing that he thought he was looking for. And by the end of that relationship with Maggie, he's saying things like, do you ever want to sit down and talk? I mean, yeah like, gosh, what a, (laughs) what an evolution in the middle of that relationship that she was clearly not interested in. And then, you know, so now he, here he is starting a brand new semester, new classes, new swim schedule, whatever. And it does feel like a fresh start to him. And so I suppose if he's going to have this realization about like, you know what? I was an absolute fool with Felicity I suppose this is the time when he um, he reasonably could start fresh. But that doesn't mean Felicity's ready to. You know, like, that I doesn't mean her world is lined up for that at all. Um, but for him, the stars are aligned.
1: And, of course, she's just been sitting there and waiting for him. But, you know, she's not... I mean, same thing with Noel. I mean, she's not really pushing these guys away.
0: So. And I also don't think that Ben's going into this uh, assuming Felicity will be his. Like, I think he's saying, I'm ready. I want to see what I can do here. But, think he and he's putting himself in her orbit.
1: I think he's pretty confident. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, you know, Yes, she told him off and all that stuff, but he's like, if I can accept that, you know, great. I mean, he knows how good looking he is. He knows like how much she's into him. And it's just that the smile and the, the good mood and all the like I he just feel like he's very confident.
0: Which is going to last like five minutes in this episode, frankly. But, um, you know... it.
1: Really? I thought it lasted through the whole episode. I think that
0: the swim program being canceled knocked him back many, many rungs on that ladder. Um, I think that the motivation for how... for I think where the energy is coming from for him is different by the end of this episode than it was at the start. Because actually for me, I think... You know, Great Expectations resonated more for me as a title this time around on this watch because it really occurred to me that if you take the Nolan Ruby stuff out, pretty much every other plot line is about people having a thought of how something is going to go and then getting completely knocked down from that almost immediately at the start of this episode um, and then grappling with it. And I think with Ben one of the main things that he says that he was excited about was swim season starting. And it's part of what makes him feel like he has a fresh start. It's something he was working on all throughout the break and was motivating him to come back to school. And it's, and it's ripped out from under him and the like, uh, I don't know. Like the coach is like, Hey, um, Oh, did I not tell you? No, no swim program yeah. is here. <laughs> it's like, Wow. I feel like that would have been a call with the swim team or something. Um not so haphazard as all this, but he just it really catches him off guard and I think that like the rest of this episode is him being kind of reactive instead of forward looking.
1: Yeah, I mean I do agree with the swim program that he he was disappointed. Yeah. But I still feel like I don't know, he he's still in uh, chase mode for, for Felicity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I do think that is adding to his good mood. Like I think he gets flirty and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I don't think, you know, swim swimming being canceled completely derails that. Um, I it think might it makes it the only
0: thing that he has. Yeah. To I was about.
1: about to say that it's sort of what he's leaning on now.
0: Yeah. It's like the only thing he has left. I mean, swimming for him, we know he got into swimming cause he was like, well, what is it that I have? Everybody that I know has their thing. What's my thing. And in season one, he settled on swimming as being his thing. And then that's not it anymore. Sorry, Ben. Um, yeah. It's, I guess, you know, we'll probably unpack all of these things more as we get to those scenes as they actually unfold. What we do see happen next, though, is that Ben and Sean have a conversation. And this conversation uh, feels pivotal for Sean. Um, And I don't know. This really struck me, this conversation. So
1: I agree. I mean, his his dream is dead it's dead nobody Mm -hmm. wants smoothies he's Mm -hmm. devastated yeah yeah that's all i took away from it
0: okay okay (laughs) that's your takeaway (laughs) from this whole conversation
1: no but you know (laughs) i mean okay smoothies r.i.p smoothies
0: Uh yeah, well, mm, okay. So um (laughs) so it is. So the that's one thing that's happening in the conversation, but all the other stuff that's happening in this conversation is Ben says, I think first of all, the store that they're in, this is the same store that uh Felicity and Elena were in for the Thanksgiving episode, right?
1: I don't know, they all look the same to me.
0: They all look the same to me. I feel like we're going to see a store, a convenience store a number of times in season yeah. two. And apparently no matter where all these characters are in the city of New York, they always go to the same convenience store. Um, okay. So <laughs> this is the location we have. Okay. So Ben and Sean are now in this store. Ben Says that he thinks Sean was wrong about his advice. Advice about Felicity. Sean's like, "What? No, that was the greatest advice I've ever given anybody ever in the history of the universe." <laughs> and and this time, so it's sort of like we're revisiting this conversation. It's like this conversation happened at the end of at the start of season two, and Ben was not willing to stand in his conviction, and he folded. And he crumbled and he let go of Felicity. Sean is meeting him with the same wisdom. He's like, no, 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 you aren't ready for Felicity. You weren't ready then. And then now this time is like, no, like I'm really not so sure that that was good advice. My world has been a mess since then. And Sean's like, well, I didn't exactly tell you to go date a married woman. And okay, fair enough, right? But then Ben says something that I think really rocks Sean. He says, well, you know, I tried to ask you about Maggie, but you were too busy drooling over Julie. And Sean's like, I don't get it. What are you saying to me? And Ben says, look, you have feelings about Julie. You don't tell her about it. You're not following the kind of advice you'd want to give. So I feel stupid for listening to your advice in my situation. And so that's the stuff that gets said. And I think for me, this is an important conversation for each character for a different reason. Like Sean has now been prodded. Like you coward. (laughs) Like, do like it's very clear to me that you have a you have feelings about Julie and you're doing you're doing nothing, is what you're doing, Sean. And so Sean's like, oh my gosh, I am doing nothing. And Ben is now making a different choice than he did at the beginning of this season where Sean was saying, you're not ready. And Ben at that point was saying, you're right. I'm not, or maybe I'm not. And now Sean's saying, no, my advice was good. And Ben's like, Nope, it wasn't. It was not like, I'm, I want different things. Um, He has to really, he's going to have to stand in that conviction in like a real situation, (laughs) like for it to be a thing. But I don't know. I see these two pushing each other further. They're pushing their envelopes, respectively.
1: Yeah, I stand by Sean's advice the first time. (laughs) I still do. Um, And I think, you know, it's possible that, that Ben is more ready now. He's had another relationship. It's not what he wanted. You know, the easy breezy... I don't want anything like fuckboy relationship is not what he wanted. And, you know, he's, he's growing up and he's now thinking about Felicity again. You know, Felicity was unavailable because of David and frankly, they just weren't near each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really see him pining over Felicity. I mean, there were no moments of him like, staring longingly at a picture of her or even really talking about her while he was with maggie Mm -hmm. so i i stand by sean's advice uh Mm -hmm. i think it's a little rich for for ben to be standing there saying you know you gave me bad advice at the time and that bad advice caused me to go sleep with a married woman. It was all in reality. He's blaming Sean for everything. Mm -hmm. He's taking no personal responsibility whatsoever. And he's just saying, yeah, everything that I did, you know, this whole experience, he's not seeing it as a learning opportunity. He's just, he's thinking it's all Sean's fault. Mm -hmm. Now, Sean, on the other hand, and this part doesn't even make sense to me because so Ben says, you know, I tried to talk to you, you're, you're drooling over Julie, you're not doing anything. First of all, Ben and Julie dated. So the first thing that Sean should be doing is having a conversation with Ben.
2: Mm.
1: But this seems like Ben is fine with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, now that, that he has not only gotten the okay, but sort of, as you said, like the prod ahead... Um, you know sean's advice was not to date felicity and ben is like you know you're not following your own advice actually he is following his own advice he's mm-hmm. not dating julie mm-hmm. um but well know. i
0: i think from ben's standpoint he's thinking maybe not in literal terms as that but as saying like what kind of relationship advice should I be taking from a person who doesn't really know how to pursue his own relationships?
1: Yeah. And, and I think had he said that, that would have been a better point mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I do think Sean is, you know, ready for Julie. She is just absolutely a hundred percent not interested in him.
0: Yeah.
1: So you I just, you I mean-
0: know that there's this like, <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's this hammer that's
0: about to be brought down (laughs) on Sean at some point. It's just like when.
1: It's like Um, he has to say something and get it out there, and then she has to reject him like hard.
0: hmm.
1: And I don't know if they like continue like living together or whatever. But you know, I mean, maybe Ben's advice should have been like, don't have Julie move in when you're in love with her and she doesn't like think of you as a viable dating, like, entity.
0: Yeah. Well, and I do think that that is, um, you know, there's a difference between doing and coaching, right? I think there are people who can, I think for many of us, we can look at somebody else's situation in almost any arena and see it more clearly than we see our own. Or even if we do see our own situation clearly, we're so invested in safety and so invested in, I don't know, fear that um, that maybe we don't even follow the advice that we know we should follow for ourselves. So, like, maybe Sean's giving good advice to Ben and whether or not he sees the situation clearly that he has with Julie, he is unable to apply principles of smart relationship management (laughs) with her. And so, you know, Ben's kind of looking at it and thinking maybe this disqualifies him. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case because I think that somebody not being able to implement something in their own life doesn't mean that they aren't seeing your situation clearly. Um, So, you know, but for, for Ben, it's like calling into question, um, you know i i'm gonna need you to show some improvement in this aspect of your life sean if i'm going to be listening to your advice in this way um and i think you know with ben he is only a partial way through the growth that he needs to go through here to really even think about being in any sort of relationship with felicity and frankly from what they've set up in this episode felicity has a lot on her plate right now that has nothing to do with relationships of any nature, you know, aside from her family. So like, um, I think the conversation that Ben's having feels about right for where he is in this moment. He is willing to say, you know, uh, where last time it was like, you're not ready for Felicity. And he was like, he just crumbled. He just crumbled under the pressure. He cracked And he sabotaged the relationship with Felicity and he's not in that place right now. He's willing to say, that doesn't feel like the right advice for me anymore, but is he willing to take full accountability? Is he willing to go as far as you want him to? I would say not yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, we, we just see it differently, right? I don't think he crumbled last time. Mm-hmm. I think he he got good advice and he took it and it was the right advice. And it was the right thing for him to do. If he couldn't be with Felicity, like without trying to change her mm-hmm. into another person, he shouldn't be with her because mm-hmm. her feelings are that strong. Mm-hmm. And so that sucks for us as an audience, mm-hmm. right? But it it was the right move on his part. So I didn't see him crumbling. I saw that as a moment of, strength and saying, you know, I don't want to ruin this relationship forever, Mm -hmm. uh, which he hasn't. And Mm -hmm. now he's coming back and he is just blaming Sean for everything. Mm -hmm. So I don't see this as, as like a huge improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's, he's lashing out about Julie um and yes it's a moment of revelation for Sean which i guess he maybe kind of needed but to me this whole scene is Ben just being really defensive and and taking zero accountability for his own life and and saying that Sean gave him bad advice in the past which i don't think he did and Sean like Sean giving him the advice today you know, may not apply as much, fine. But it is not Sean's fault that you went off and dated Maggie.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
1: it, he did not deserve to have you just like drop the Julie thing on him in the middle of a convenience store. I mean, this is like reactive Ben kind of, again, lashing out.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think that because you and I see the initial, the early season two stuff between Ben and Sean, I think because you and I see that differently, our understanding of the trajectory that Ben's on right now is also different. So for me, um, you know, I think Ben was really not able to process his own feelings about Felicity and Sean planting ideas about that situation in his mind catalyzed a situation that he was not processing at all. I think that him having this conversation with Sean is certainly imperfect and not Ben taking accountability, but Ben saying, I'm going to, I think I do need to listen more to my instinct in this situation. Um, that, and, and so I think he's, he's sitting in a different place. It's not, it's not an end point. It's a part, it's part way through the journey, but in your situation, if you're, if you're thinking about it as Sean gave good advice and Ben realized it was good advice, I don't give Ben that much credit for, I don't give Ben that much credit. I think that he was, I think that he kind of wished he could do something different in that situation. And I think that he was a coward. Um, And I, and part of why I'm thinking that is that there's going to be a conversation later that I'm trying not to let it cloud my brain too much.
1: Oh, I full on believe he was a coward. I called mm-hmm. him a coward, but it was because he made Felicity break up with him the same way he made Julie break up with him. That to me was the coward part.
0: I think for me, the coward part was that he actually wanted to be with her. And that he, I think he actually wanted to be with her. And that he allowed himself to think he wasn't ready. And maybe he wasn't ready, but I don't think that that was in his mind before Sean's conversations with him. So I think he was really unable to process his feelings And I don't think he was able to have a true self-awareness in that situation. I think he was absent of self-awareness. He would have been fine, like doing road trips with Felicity and all of that. And in your position, you're saying, well, that's not him having the relationship Felicity needs to have, but I don't think he would have processed that at that point. And so,
1: yeah, without Sean saying it, he absolutely wouldn't have processed it. So, but now we're at what a I'm moment saying.
0: He's starting to build self-awareness, but it's in a really like rudimentary, imperfect, reactive way. But he is starting to notice his surroundings, which I think in this episode is also evidenced by him clocking the weird tension in the room with Felicity's father and being like, "Is that your father? Is everything okay?" At various points in this episode, he's like noticing, he's no- he's noticing something about her. That's not just the chase. Um, yeah. he, I don't think he would have done this as much. The version of him we saw season two and earlier. Um and I'm, pre- I'm prepared to be proven wrong about that. If he ever did have moments where he was checking in with her, but he, I don't know. He, he feels like he's in a different place to me, but not the fully evolved version that we want to see.
1: I mean, that, that time when he talked to Julie, the way Mm -hmm. that he did, you know, I still Mm -hmm. give him a lot of credit for having empathy and, and being willing to express it. It, You know, I I know you've said that season one, Ben isn't who we get the whole time. Yeah. Um, But did he
0: do anything like that with Felicity?
1: I'm trying to think. But I mean, Felicity really wasn't going through the same kind of things no. other than when they were robbed. And mm-hmm. he at that point was really leaning on her. Yeah. He was having, you know, all of his own issues. And so I don't think when you're in that type of moment, unfortunately, you tend to be really selfish Yeah. Um,
0: And the stuff for her later in the season, a lot of her conflict was around Noel and Eli, and she wasn't necessarily I think the one time, maybe the one time that comes to mind is when Hannah showed up. One of the times when Hannah showed up and Felicity was in Dean and DeLuca sadly stacking cookies and Ben was leaving and he was (laughs) like, what's happening? Are you okay? She's like, no, you're on your way out. He's like, no. What's going on? yeah and he made that comment, why would Noel choose Hannah when he could be with you? Yeah. um maybe that is maybe that fills this bucket. um
1: I also think that that writing that thing in her yearbook was part of his personality. It seems to me like he he genuinely just you know was a night nice, like he's just a nice guy who unfortunately. He's you know has some major flaws like gambling and fighting
2: mm-hmm. and
1: not knowing who he is and and having violent reactions mm-hmm. and lashing out, but like don't we all at some point at least with words mm-hmm. um, but I generally have i don't know I think because things weren't all probably as serious in high school i I just feel like he was. A popular, nice guy, maybe hurt people, just going through life because he didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. He is. He's making that evolution from just like reaching out and being nice because it's something he wants to do to actually figuring out when to reach out and like having more actual empathy and like figuring out who he wants to be in in his relationship with other people Mm -hmm. um so i I do think that that like he's trying um i think that
0: we're gonna see um like i said i've said many times uh we are eventually gonna get like 80 year old version of man uh ben uh He has many different areas of, in his life where he's going to grow throughout the series. Um, and I think that I see a big evolution coming for him between this moment and the end of this season. And it will be prompted by a couple brand new characters that we haven't met yet. Um, and I'll, that's as much as I'll say about that to not to not like lead you in any direction with it. But I think... If, if what I'm saying has any bearing to it, that he's at least at this moment where he's starting to be more self-aware, it's going to be real clunky. And, uh, in some ways it's going to, it's, it's like, it's like a baby learning to walk and they're just like (laughs) tripping over themselves and they look like a drunken sailor and all that. Like, I kind of feel like that's what we're going to get from Ben on this journey of self-awareness at least in how he's looking at things with Felicity and his accountability. Um, it's going to be like that for a little while for him. I do see that he has to take a first step. And I think this is it. I think he has to be willing to say, I'm no longer willing to accept that I shouldn't be with her on principle because I'm not ready. Um, I think if he has that frame of mind, then it's like, okay, I'm back in a way. I'm not doing this. And we have nothing to watch. If he is willing to say, I think I should get back in the ring. Then he has to grapple with all the stuff he's going to have to go through to get back in that ring. And apparently some of it's going to have to be on his side, but boy, Felicity has a lot to deal with right now and
1: but she is just jumping in like head first I don't know I kind of felt like her stuff with Ben I guess it wasn't I don't know that it was so out of character I feel like both of them were just acting really immature um she
0: for for me looking at how she was handling the Ben stuff in this episode it was like pure escapism
1: I think that's what it was him in part because of the swimming and in part because he wanted to do something with her. I think he was kind of surprised that she (laughs) she actually did it. Um, Not realizing how
0: badly she needed to escape the situation with her dad.
1: Yeah. Um, If there
0: was one place her dad was not going to look for her. (laughs) It was not going to be at a convenience store getting alcohol or at the swimming pool.
1: Yeah. No chance
0: he was going to drop in at the swimming pool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I think I said earlier, in an earlier episode, like I moved to Africa because I knew my parents weren't going to come visit. Mm -hmm. Like we do stupid shit when we're kids and our brains are not fully formed. And, you know, it's, um, I think this is one of those moments where, you know, they thought they were invincible. And they'd never get caught and it didn't matter. And, you know, some of these moments in life are the ones that you remember forever, right? But sometimes they have really, really bad consequences.
0: Yeah. Do you want, because at this point in the episode, we could start going through and chronologically we'd start encountering other storylines. Do you want to just stick with the Felicity Ben stuff, the strictly those two characters
1: scenes? Um, I don't know how much does everything else interweave? Because we don't talk about Felicity and her dad.
0: Um, I think that we can keep that separate for the moment if we want to. Um, I think it's fair to say that there's some serious tension going on with Felicity's dad. Um yeah. I, I say we we look for some more scenes with just Felicity and Ben because we're already starting to hint at them. So yep. like um, let's see, Ben the next time we're gonna see Ben is actually quite a while into the episode. He's swimming. Yep. And uh just you know, practicing in the pool. The coach sees him and Ben's. You know, they're just sort of catching up. Like, how how are things going? And Ben's like, oh, really excited. And coach is like, yeah, 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 about that. University (laughs) dropped swimming. Tried to see if we could place you guys in other programs. Couldn't. Good luck to you.
1: I mean, I'm guessing maybe that's where Lynn went.
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Ah, man. So, such a bummer we don't ever get Lynn again. But no. Um.
1: but let me tell you when when I saw this scene just initially it made me so happy I could I could literally smell the chlorine. Yes. And oh it just it just made me so happy. And, and I can
0: tell you I remember watching this episode with you in college and you were very very happy to see the pool again.
1: It's so great. I just I don't know. I just love water polo. I love the pool. I love water. It just, I don't know, I don't know. It's like pure endorphins for me. So I was super happy. And yes, they dropped swimming, um, but I was still happy I was looking at a pool. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, I was happy every time I was looking at a pool. (laughs) (laughs) That's how
0: you felt the first time we watched it as well. I remember you watching the, well, we'll get there later. Um, Ben, Ben though, Ben is not happy to be looking at a pool. He's disappointed right right now with life. Yeah. And I, I will say, so look, if you're an athlete in college and you're on a team, you're on a competitive team. My experience is that while you were only in season for a portion of the school year. And so during that part where it's your official season, you have meets or competitions. You definitely are practicing. You are also practicing outside of that window of time. Absolutely.
2: Like, and whether practice. or not,
0: yeah. Now, in in our situation, we we have specific rules for our university where between certain dates you could practice and you could have a coach and outside of that you could do captains practices, which is like everybody would be in the arena or the gym or the pool or whatever, and maybe you wouldn't have the coach guiding practices, but you were still practicing.
1: Yeah. Like we had hours that certain amount of hours that we were allowed to do whatever the sport was both in season and out of season, which actually made it very hard to compete with other schools that didn't have that restriction. Agreed. Um, But on the other hand, we also had time for studying and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've, I'm sure you were in the same place I was, um, but we didn't know each other yet mm-hmm. when sort of in the first, is it a whole week where we as freshmen came in before everyone else came in and we had to go to like a bunch of stuff. It was like orientation. I think it was a whole orientation week.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And they took all of the athletes and they put us in some auditorium and they had this guy get up on stage and like tell us about how it is to be an athlete. And now I feel really bad because he talked a lot about throwing up. Um, But Hmm. he said one thing to me that always stuck with me. He said academics, athletics, personal life pick two Mm -hmm. and I feel like we were able to have all three because we had those limits I mean in season especially it was hard because we traveled like every weekend but two Mm -hmm. second second, uh, semester Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then I was abroad for a semester Mm -hmm. like but in those three semesters that I had um where I wasn't doing anything like that like I felt like I was able to to get out and and do stuff and like have a bit of a personal life in addition to Yeah, I fit. don't know
0: if I agree with uh I don't I don't really remember that person speaking but I um or being there for that but I I not only did I have sport, academics and for me the most personal life I've ever had um which may not be saying a lot, but it was for me. Um, I also had jobs.
1: Yeah.
0: I always did work study jobs. So I, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So basically what we're saying here is even with the restrictions that we had at our school, around when we could practice and when we couldn't and how much we could practice and who could lead it. We still practiced our sport outside of competition season.
1: Yeah. All year. So yeah. I
0: just don't, I mean, this is uh, maybe as weird as it is, like my biggest issue with the episode construction that they're just like, Meh, this is a thing again. And now it's not. And we're supposed to believe Ben was always serious about it, even though he's never been given an opportunity to practice or talk about swim practice or anything. Um, so it is a little weird,
1: a little weird yep.
0: um, that it's like, we're supposed to believe it's such a big deal when the audience hasn't even thought about this for the entire season two.
1: And I mean, let's think about the audience for a minute. I don't know how many people would have been really upset to see Ben swim some more. So Mm -hmm. especially if they, you know, kept the shots above the Speedo area. Mm -hmm. Um, Speedos are not sexy. Just saying. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. It, It would have been fine to to do a little bit more with that. But, you know, we've had a lot going on, I guess.
0: I mean, I don't see it as strange that a program is suddenly canceled. We've seen this before. We've seen it at our school. Um, So I think it's not at all unusual that like a coach wouldn't even know that it's happening until the day they get the call. I do think it's weird the way he just like thought it was such an afterthought to tell his athletes. Um, That's strange to me, but the bigger (laughs) Just, I query whether Ben, we just, he was probably serious about this the whole time, and we were never shown a single thing about it, is what I want to believe here, um, based on the level of enthusiasm I see about him. And unfortunately, for most, for, for anybody in the audience who never did sports or wasn't athletic, this would, whole thing would be totally out of the blue. And meanwhile, I was sitting there wondering, when are we going to see him in the pool again (laughs) like but if if you're not thinking that way you're just not thinking about sports at all in the context of this show and that's fair because they didn't write anything in to make you think about it
1: yeah i think that's a fair criticism i don't know that um i don't know that it makes such a big deal
0: like, I do think people noted. I there have been people who've noted to us the absence of Lynn. Oh yeah. And Lynn existed in more than one place. He wasn't just at the pool. He was, you know, he was a bartender, like he was in Ben's social world. So people have noticed that, but Lynn is part of this swim world. And um,
1: yeah. And this is, I mean, I'm assuming maybe Because Ben, you know, finally made it and the coach wasn't thinking of him as being like the best. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so he, I mean, he says, I tried to get, you know, most of the swimmers into other places. Maybe he placed Lynn like a while ago and that's why he's gone. And he just really wasn't thinking about Ben. Because honestly, this is a dick move (laughs) from the coach to be like, (laughs) Oh, it's canceled, and I found space for your other teammates, and I don't even bother to tell you that the program was dropped.
0: And I don't want to believe that about Lynn. That Lynn, you know, had the coach place him in another program, and like, didn't you know, it's like, bye. didn't call, didn't write, didn't say anything to Ben about it. Like, bye, buddy. Uh, I'm never going to see you again. Here's why. I was so placed a little a-
1: salty about about Nicole.
0: Maybe, but I think we're meant to understand that, that Lynn knew Ben wasn't interested in Nicole and that Nicole was doing these advances yeah. on her own. That's the line that's actually Look, said at the end of season this,
1: one. This is what we are given to work with. We either justify it or we don't. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. I know. Okay. Well, so uh, long story short, university drop swimming. Ben is disappointed. Yeah. And the next time we're going to see like ex- specifically Ben and Felicity is in the context, I think of the scene at Dean and DeLuca where uh, the, her dad has already told her um, that his mom and him are getting, her mom and him are getting separated. And so Felicity's dad comes to check up on her, Dean and DeLuca, it looks like after hours late at night. And yeah. um and Ben is there working on this shift. He sees Felicity and her dad having a really serious conversation. And I'm sure we'll come back to this and look at it at it from the other angle. But in this context of Felicity and Ben, Ben sees that there's like this really tense, somber vibe with Felicity and her dad felicity makes her dad pretty much leave um she just kind of blows him off dad wants to talk felicity's like "Nah, i gotta go to the library ben's watching comes up to felicity sees that there's a mood (laughs) and he's he's got a mood as well because well swim program has been canceled so he just says let's get out of here
1: yeah close up shop Get on out of there and he's he's she she initially says no but he's charming her he's talking mm-hmm. her into stuff he's being a bad influence
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh and, and she's sitting just, there thinking like give up.
0: me seriously felicity give me one reason why <laughs> <laughs> like of all days just do this just do this thing like boy is it compelling yep. to go with ben when he's grinning like that yep yeah it's taking her back yeah falling into some old patterns here because the current pattern is not pleasant but
1: ben knows how to have a good time he he had a good time in high school is my guess and he's he's gonna show her how how to have a good time
0: which involves we'll cut to them at a different convenience store i think
1: yeah it's just a different angle
0: on the same convenience store
1: I think it's a liquor store.
0: Okay. This is specifically a a liquor store. Yeah. Ben has his fake ID. They're at the register and he's trying to buy alcohol. And he's distracting, distracting the guy at the register by talking to Felicity about sophisticated
1: stuff like movies. The dogs in them.
0: Yeah. And this is when he drops. Well, so So they get the alcohol, and then we see them breaking into a building, which at this point, you didn't know what building it was, I guess.
1: Okay. Also, like, nine bucks for 12 beers? Damn. Inflation. Yeah. And that Mm -hmm. that isn't even Rolling Rock. I mean, those were like glass bottles.
0: Yeah. 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 So they get their beer, they go to a building, they break into it. (laughs) <laughs> he drops Javier again. Felicity's like, you fool. It's Javier. Um and but at this point it sounded like he didn't know what building this was yet.
1: Yeah, I didn't remember because it, it had this like nice garden gate,
0: mm-hmm. seemingly.
1: And so I was like, Is it a it's a building? Is it a but a garden, a greenhouse? Like, I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, But,
1: man, when they turned that light on. Mm -hmm.
0: (sighs) And you could see the the reflection of the water up on the wall in their faces.
1: I mean, that is just like my version of heaven.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then they swim. Well, first they drink. Well,
0: first they drink.
1: Crack open some beers. Which is not maybe the smartest thing to do. Mm-hmm. um i just wonder how many times ben has done this in the past mm-hmm. right and not gotten caught yeah maybe and a bunch Rich really sucks that the one time he got caught is with felicity you know
0: well i am secretly very happy about it because because of this we're going to meet a new character maybe two episodes from now um that is my favorite character one, one of my favorite characters yeah dr Pavon. Um, but yeah. So they, they crack open some beers. He coaxes her to go into the pool. She cannonballs in. Yeah, they're she having cannibals. some banter. oh no, He cannonballs in. He cannonballs in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She dives in.
1: Yeah. And um, then we get this lovely, you know, montage of just swimming around and having fun. And I'm just like, ah. Uh, this must be so amazing but also freezing yeah i mean there was no uh there was no steam coming off of the pool which i can tell you from being in the pool in the winter Mm -hmm. i mean you get the chlorine goes about four like four to five inches Mm -hmm. above the pool and since we had to swim with our heads up or you know even if you're just swimming you were inhaling that chlorine all the time whoa and it was really bad for us it was really bad for our eyes we get really sick and have to like go outside and like breathe the air so clearly this is not an east coast pool Yeah. They were on the West coast.
0: Well, funnily enough, you know, what is it with sports making you inhale things? So the, uh, gymnastics, it was chalk dust. Oh Ah. my goodness. So much chalk dust. It was magnesium carbonate or something like that. It was everywhere. It would get all over you, all over your leotard, (laughs) all over your body, all over your hands, all over your face. We'd put it on those things. If it wasn't there already, (laughs) uh, (laughs) probably not. I'm assuming there's, you know, you probably don't want to breathe in a lot of that over your life, but too bad. Um, yeah. 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 So I remember, I I remember the first time when you went, well, I remember when you and I watched this in college, I remember you watching the scene with them swimming and you were like, totally wrapped up in it. And it made me think it was transporting you to you doing something like that maybe not like a break-in situation with alcohol, but like the something about it seemed to be resonating for you as like a life experience.
1: I mean, many. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just doing the, I have been doing this my whole life, like ever since I got in the water, just sort of like submerging myself and like swimming around and like laying and, you know, Sometimes with friends, sometimes alone. Like, it's my happy place,
2: yeah. um,
1: and it's amazing. And I suggest everyone go do it, but not like this. Don't get yeah. busted. Just yeah. do everything else. Just don't get busted, and also don't drink too much because and have camera well work
0: out. and music like this if you can. It so
1: can. and the and a camera guy.
0: work was gorgeous. The, yeah. the shots from underwater, the shots, just the way they had lit the whole room where you could see the reflection of the water on the walls. And yeah. um, it, there was a real ambiance. They showed a lot of wide shots of the whole room itself. And, you know, and then getting close up on Felicity and Ben and then underwater, just all these different really cool angles. I, it, it seems to me they must have spent a while getting footage of this because they wanted to make it a whole thing. And I will say... I loved the music behind it and I can't actually imagine this scene with any other music but it's not the original music the song we listened to was primitive radio gods it's called skin job and it felt very like echoey and I don't know it felt like I was underwater listening to that song for some reason um I don't know. I think I have to think they spent a while shooting this part.
1: Yeah. It's tough to shoot underwater. So just setting up
0: think? the cameras and everything. Cause this crew wouldn't have had to do that very much. You know what? Now that I think about it, every time they've given us shots in a pool, like remember uh, when they showed Ben trying, to he was trying out for the team and they were like tracking him behind him mm-hmm. through the water
1: always Um, been above the water yeah
0: yeah they have done some really creative camera work in pools
1: yeah Um, that was that was a very i I really enjoyed that shot when they were following him along mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i don't know i just uh, i think it's also
0: worth saying like they have dialogue in the pool as well. It's not just swimming montages. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, they do. But for me, it was more about the swimming yeah, montages. The swimming. And, you know, I mean, here's the other thing when you were part of a varsity team, I, the place that you're in kind of becomes your home. I mean, yes. I don't know if you felt this way about like the gym. Yes. But, like, would you have hesitated to like go to the gym after hours with your your teammates? I mean, it's your home. No, we had a key. Yeah. So like if he was on the team, my guess is the guys were there like not all the time, but like a good amount of the time. Like they just not not necessarily to practice just to like hang out and mess around and do we whatever would have
0: sleepovers in the gym
1: yeah so like i don't understand why it's well maybe since they cut the program but like had the program still been around i don't think this would have been one second of an issue like that campus security guard would have found them he would have said, "I'm on the swim team," and the guy would have gone away.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think um, on our team, the captains had a key, and the underclassmen or anybody who wasn't a captain didn't. But there were a lot of times people were in the gym and outside of practice time, a lot of times, and you know, sometimes conditioning and sometimes just you know hanging out.
1: Yeah. Um. Like you, you really do feel entitled Mm -hmm. to the space because you spend so much of your life there you know Mm -hmm. so like i i I think that probably maybe played into it from whoever was writing this i think they wanted to make it seem you know kind of otherworldly and romantic but also like like, he he felt entitled to be there, and she, yes, needed to get away from things, but also kids think there are no consequences for anything ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't know where he was taking her, from what we saw. In Dean and DeLuca, he said, let's get out of here. He didn't say, let's go buy beer and break into the pool. He said, let's get out of here. And so I don't know at what point she figured out where they were going. Um,
1: I think once
0: they got they, there.
1: Yeah, once they got there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when when she's like, are you breaking into this building? What is this? Yeah, Maybe when she saw the word pool written on the outside yeah. of it. She's like, oh, <laughs> got it.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That, that was it. Um...
0: Well, they do have a little bit of dialogue in the pool. A lot of this is sort of fun and fancy free. And they have some like banter and, and fun conversation. But uh, embedded in that. Ben asks her a serious question. He's like, "Is everything okay with your dad?" And Felicity zags. She's like, "Well, no. But let's talking about. Let's just talk about something else, shall we? Yeah. Let's
1: we'll just be here in the moment. You know, mm-hmm. well, we don't want to bring that up." And another thing I thought was interesting is right before that, she says to Ben well, we'll just have to keep breaking in here and doing this. Mm-hmm. Like there's a future for the two of them doing this. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, she certainly uh, has some influence on her.
0: Yeah. Whatever, whatever's happening in this world, she's liking it and it's much better than what she was thinking about before she was at the pool. That is yeah. for sure. So she's, she's liking that element of it. And he, she wants to keep it not serious, which is really a reversal, in their relationship, right? She was always the one who wanted to talk about the serious thing. And he was the, always the one zagging. And this time, you know, he's saying, is everything okay with your dad? Which it clearly wasn't. And he knew that. And he asked her the question and he was prepared for an answer. And She didn't want to give it. And fair yeah. enough, but I it's a switch.
1: Like... Yeah. But I don't think it's a permanent switch. I think it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on and, and, you're in a pool with, you know, more than a half naked man who looks like this. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about your dad.
0: No, you don't. No, you don't fish. That is exactly (laughs) right. You're right. I don't think it's a permanent switch, but I do think it's a moment that to take note of. And I think that it's not uh, uh, an accident that Ben asked the question. I think that at the point when you hear him, um, with the last, the last episode we had with Maggie, where Maggie's at the party looking so miserable, looking out the window and, you know, obviously being confronted with her husband, Charlie, like having a conversation with maybe one of the many women he's cheating on her with. And she looks, she looks upset and Ben walks over and he's like, if you ever want to talk about it. Which is like, I remember being like, oh, baby, <laughs> like, this woman is not available in any way, emotionally or otherwise. But the fact that he was saying, should we talk, was very much like the kind of thing Felicity was asking him to want to do when they were dating. And then, you know, he does it with Maggie, who won't need that from him.
2: <laughs> He's doing the same thing I can't here, though.
1: See- he would reach out to Maggie, I feel like after he found out she was married, mm-hmm. he he really did have these moments where he was either trying to make it not a relationship or like trying to think of them as just being friends. And I, I kind of felt like he he said, do you just want to talk about it? more in a can we switch this to a friendship kind of thing way Mm -hmm. like he he really felt uncomfortable in this relationship yeah Yeah. other than when they were you know actually having sex um so i don't know i felt that as i still feel like he was he was kind and and perceptive and you know through season one as well, Um, I just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we get to the
0: mayhem. We get this Mm. shot of Felicity and Ben. They've, I guess, finished swimming. They're sitting down having a chat on the edge of the diving board and you can see all the beer bottles lined up, (laughs) the empty beer bottles lined up on the diving board and that is how the security guard finds them
1: oops yeah. and i love the not so subtle background where they walk them out and there's this giant red circle with an x across it and it says like zero tolerance mm-hmm. yes Just like seriously okay first of all that was not a thing again with athletes Um. There were all kinds of stuff we could get into and did. And there were relatively no consequences whatsoever. There
0: will be context put to why there's supposed to be zero tolerance in a future episode, I think.
1: Okay. I think somebody died or something like that. Yeah.
0: Like, I think Dr. Pavone is like, do you remember that time (laughs) (laughs) at this university? When this thing happened and it was so bad, well, that's why there's no tolerance. Um, so I think there was an, a, a prior incident.
1: Yeah. But think about our campus. How many prior incidents were there? And yet there were still both fraternity and athletic hazing. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, multiple people died. Okay. In wow. different occasions. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I don't know.
0: I mean. Maybe that's
1: not how it should work. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not necessarily justifying it. I'm just saying this doesn't seem 100% accurate. But Okay. okay. Yeah. But I well, like that Ben sits there and, he, like, ha- his first instinct, of course, is to try to protect her. And mm-hmm. he's like, it's all my fault. I did it. And, and uh, you know, I just... I just do love the fact that she's like, no, I'm going down with you. And yeah, like she, I didn't
0: have to come with you.
1: Yeah, she's like, I, she never thinks about the consequences. And only one of them had to go down for this, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. But she's, she sits there and she's like, no, like, this is not your fault. Um, and I just, I don't know. I like that about her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they both claim that responsibility. They want to, they both want to and out of protectiveness for each other. It feels like. Um, and Ben says, and Ben says he's sorry. And, but then he says, still can't believe you actually did this with me.
1: Right. I mean, I think he was shocked. I was kind of shocked. I mean, this is not, Felicity's normal M.O., except, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do feel like she is, for the most part, like a goody-goody. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does things without thinking about them, but mm-hmm. generally, they're not, you know, illegal.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: she had just had it. Like, she had, and we'll go through why she had had it, but she would had it. And sometimes, you just have had it and you need to get away you need to have a beautiful pool scene and and just enjoy life for a moment
0: yeah and it was all getting and, a little too heavy wasn't it for her yeah. and she needed a reprieve from that for a moment even if it was and you know, and i'm
1: glad that i mean obviously they can't expel them because you know two and a half seasons left mm-hmm. um but you know I'm I'm glad that that's not not what happened because I just I think that this similar to when Felicity wrote Ben's paper, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a mistake. Kids make mistakes. Yes, sometimes bad things happen, but guess what? Kids are always going to make mistakes
2: mm-hmm. and
1: ruining their lives further is is not a way to deal with that. Mhm. Yeah. So, and I think that's true of adults too. Sometimes people have just had it. And as long as, you know, you can see it as a one off and people learn to deal with things differently, and there's some sort of effort on that part, like, let's try to not ruin their life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's circle back now. To some of the things that we missed from earlier in the episode um i say we talk about felicity and her dad and maybe we meet we weave in to me everything but like ruby noel stuff is kind of an outlier in this episode we could potentially talk about everything else or we could just focus on felicity and her dad
1: i would say let's do everything except Nolan and Ruby.
0: okay we'll come back to that at the end
1: um, otherwise we have to also drop this Felicity professor Elliot moment that I really enjoyed.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so uh, we've, we've sort of set up the whole beginning of this where again, you know, just to reset it, Felicity's dad came back with her. Uh, he's supposed to be there for two weeks. He's dropping in a bunch. Now, We've, we've already seen him drop in at Dean and DeLuca once next time we see him drop in on her she's looking to see if she got the oil painting class that she wanted and she's like I guess they've posted on the wall who got the class so she's up next to the classroom looking to see if her name is on it she's doing this whole voiceover about how you know she wants was trying out for a a play in school or musical
1: and she wanted she wanted to be in the wizard of Oz. she wanted to be in the wizard of Oz, and she wanted to be dorothy and she tried out but they gave it to some other girl mia bono had to be a flying monkey yep so
0: she's telling us about how her great expectation of being dorothy was squashed (laughs) and she had to be a flying monkey and then blam she's not on the list to get the class
1: and she could be on the waiting list, which I guess is the oil painting equivalent of being a flying monkey.
0: I suppose so. And she has this conversation with the teacher outside the classroom, the professor, and she's like, oh, just checking to see. He's like, oh, you didn't get in, did you? She's like, no. And he's like, you're the one that did the carnival <laughs> games, right? You're the one that did the the forks. You're the one that did the." I and she's know. like, no, I did the faces. He's like, oh, right. It was great. It was great.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Yeah, that was good." There, there were just a lot of applicants. You know how you send out those, those unfortunate emails when you have to turn down candidates yeah. for a job, and you're always like, "We had such a great, you know, applicant pool." Even if two people apply for this job, that is the email you send to the person who didn't get it, mm-hmm. right? So this is this is his version of that it's like there were so many great applicants i'm sorry you have to be a flying monkey Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then bam her dad shows up again and i wrote everywhere exclamation point
0: this guy it's like bonding with your new professor and felicity gets honest she says actually didn't get in and now her dad's like, "What can I do? How can I help? Can I call the dean? I have connections now. I, t- I teach here. Or they might care if I call." She's like, "Do not <laughs> call anyone. Thank you.
1: Read my lips. <laughs> I'm going to say it very slow. I mean, she is patient in this moment because I had only seen her dad on the plane." dana deluca and now here i've seen him three times Mm -hmm. and i was already done with him And and you know she's
0: seen him more than this
1: right and so i'm like she's being really patient i mean if he i i just can't i can't even because for him to say oh should i call someone like again i I'm I'm trying to be sympathetic like he wants to do something for his daughter he's trying to fix it but man back off and let's
0: look at what the real result of this is in the moment
1: she has got
0: she has now not gotten a class that she obviously wanted that she had told him about and she now has to reassure him it's not a big deal it's fine Because she doesn't want him doing something embarrassing or humiliating like calling the dean to try to make a claim for her. She's having to say it's not a big deal when she's actually kind of crushed in this moment.
1: Yep. Dan, get a hold of yourself. It made me mad. I was mad at this scene.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He just
0: (laughs) appears to be totally oblivious To the situations that he's putting her in. It's like he needs her to be in those situations regardless of how she feels about them. So he's not even going to ask.
1: But it's all about him. Yeah. That's my problem. Like I get that he's quote trying to solve something for her. But like she doesn't need him to solve something for her. Mm -hmm. She's her own person. That was the whole point of her not going to do... You know a west coast school Mm -hmm. and getting away and dropping pre-med and you know she's becoming her own person
0: yeah i mean listen edward porter what (laughs) signal have you received from felicity in the past two seasons that's made you thought she might be into any of the things that you're doing here
1: yeah and but the thing is he is now insecure in his own relationship, he doesn't know what to do to help, you know, he's going to kind of fix it mode. And, and while I get that and I'm trying to be empathetic about it, it's just, I've been on the other side of it so many times Mm -hmm. that it's very hard for me to get there.
0: It's hard for both of us. And so listeners, you may have more empathy here. Yeah. Uh, We don't. (laughs) we're trying i think we're trying i think we're saying look he's going through a hard time in his relationship and this was even the thing i was saying in the thanksgiving episode they're putting her in these positions her parents are putting her in these positions because they need the normalcy that she creates they need her as almost a lifeline and in this situation edward porter really needs his daughter as a lifeline because he is not even in a unit with his wife anymore his okay. wife doesn't want him around. He doesn't seem to get why. Although I'm willing to bet, Edward, yeah, there were some clues. <laughs> um, but anyway,
1: you yeah. know, he's... I feel like he needs her to need him. Yeah. And that's why it's about him. Because in the next scene that we see him in, and we already saw this on the plane, he's given her a telescope. Mm -hmm. because
0: well we don't see him in this next episode and this next scene that she has with uh julie and elena but i do think this adds to the context
1: yeah um and he he's given her a telescope Mm -hmm. because he liked astronomy yeah and there is no reason you know for for him to have given her this yeah. and and she is still I feel like there's so much she does so much lying to him you she know she does a lot of she does a
0: lot of lying I
1: mean, this, she does it there's a just lot of like back and
0: forth here there's like lying and then there's truth and then there's loyalty and then there's lying again and it's what a what a journey um, yeah and it feels like that journey that she goes on in this episode is like the pattern of that family.
1: Not just a one-off, but like... Yeah, like she's falling back into freaking high school, which is what she was trying to get away from. Where yeah. she's just pacifying her her dad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I bet we'll have a lot to say about that scene. I think let's just say for this scene, so Felicity, Julie, and Elena are in... Felicity's room Felicity and Julie are putting together this telescope that Felicity didn't want to begin with uh Elena is creating some sort of a frog puppet with three legs um and that's going to be a thing in this episode and then uh she's doing it as a gift and so Felicity says you know oh my dad's only going to be here a few weeks and I like oh that's only like the third time you've said that in the past five minutes Felicity is freaking out she's sharing it with her girlfriends. She says she feels like a kid again. Her, um you made a you made a note of something that she said here about her dad feeling like she has to look over her shoulder.
1: Yeah, looking over yeah, looking over her shoulder. Um so, he's freaking there every second.
0: And <laughs> this is This is what she's honestly feeling like when she is having these moments with Elena and Julie, she is saying what she's really thinking. Of course, Megan's going to interrupt this one. She sees the telescope. She's like a telescope. Cool. You're stalking again. Um, (laughs) And she sees this moment with these three friends in the room. I guess they're on Megan's bed and she's like, she lets it slide. She's like, you know what? This bed better be empty by the time I get back.
1: Yeah. And I can't let this scene pass without just giving Alana amazing props on this outfit. I okay. mean, she is like a passionate pirate. Like someone who would be on the cover of a like a romance novel Arr! or a novella. Okay. She's okay. got the like the bright red um I don't know what to call them like it, you can see there's a shirt underneath her shirt and she's pulled down the sleeves. So they have that sort of, um, you know, pirate bunching out like the pirate woman um, or wench. I don't know what you call them. Um, And it's like the bright red with the the sort of, I don't know, maroonish Brown. And I just, that outfit knocked me over. Loved it. Loved it.
0: All right. Well, how about that? So so that happened. And that's going to bring us, you know, if we weren't sure that she's spending way too much time with her dad, (laughs) the next scene is dad and Felicity at dinner. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much talking about the drapes they've done to this point but they're pretty you know they're getting pretty far into the meal it looks like and he says so the university wants me to stay through the end of June Mm -hmm. oh great she thinks this is is exactly what I wanted to hear just as she was saying like it's only you know a handful more days maybe you know like
1: two weeks that was the original plan.
0: Now we're just extending this to June. And then he says, mom's coming next week. And she's like, oh, so you've taken the offer. She's like, no, she was going to come anyway. Felicity looks a little puzzled in this moment. And he asks a very loaded question. Is it okay with you?
1: (laughs) And, And she doesn't really answer him at first. She's kind of like edging around the question and he actually has to say it again. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm asking specifically, what do you think? Like, I'm asking for your permission to do this.
0: Yeah. Cause she's she like, I can't make the decision for you. He's like, yeah, well, whatever. What's your opinion?
1: Yeah. And this is, i think the right thing for him to do and but we don't you know i think we have enough of of their dynamic to kind of get where this is going that it yes it's a question but i i don't know what would have happened had she been honest like i just i don't know what that would have looked like
0: i don't either and Ultimately, she says probably the thing she'd say to an advisee, right? She's as if she weren't impacted by the situation. So she says, Well, I think if you want the job, you should take it. And she, she takes herself completely out of the equation in her answer. But here's the thing I'm going to, this is going to be weird. And I'm going to turn this into a note from an optimist. Um, not because. <laughs> so when I was thinking about what my note from an optimist would be, it's not so much that any single thing that happens in this episode leaves me with an optimistic feeling, but I think there's a lesson in this that I'd really like to underscore with my note from an optimist. So this didn't happen in this episode and I want it to in the future. Hey, body language is a good thing to read. Um, Reading body language tells you an awful lot that sometimes a person's words isn't saying. And boy, that can make a difference in really connecting with another human, whether it be your daughter, whether it be Sean and Julie, whether it be pretty much anybody in this episode. <laughs> well, okay. I think as much as and and you fish, you've taken a couple people to task for saying like saying yes in one situation and really not being okay with it. Felicity does it when she says um, you you know when she's like, oh, it's uh, fine if you date Julie Ben, you know, like like she's she's saying those things. She has this way of showing you a million ways in her body language that it's really a no. And I think that happens for a lot of us. For humans in life, many, many people are uncomfortable saying the word no in a direct way. So they'll say something to soften the no, or they might show you in how they deliver it that they meant no. And when you're able to pick up on that, it can make a really big difference in a relationship. Instead of holding somebody to what they you think you've decided meant yes. When somebody shows you the no, if you're willing to look at that and examine it further, I do believe you get to a much more honest conversation a whole lot quicker that you may never get to if you keep their feet up to the fire. So, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to see a little more of this uh really looking at what the other person is doing instead of just hearing their words. This, this though, does give me a lot more context to how, like when I think about, you know, Felicity saying, Oh, you know, it's okay if, if you date Ben to Julie, it seems, it seems to me that it plays out exactly the same way as, as, these conversations she's having with her dad. And I think there's something to the patterns she built around it.
1: I mean, it's a good goal to have. I think, uh, you know, everybody's gonna come from, from different experiences, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And trying to understand another person and how they're feeling And, and having empathy for them, um, and with them, it's, it's always a good goal. Um, I will say, I think it's also a good goal to, to, to learn, to communicate your feelings directly. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you have to do it in a nasty way. Um, you know, because I think there's all kinds of sort of variants on this, you know, people come to it, you know, from one extreme or another. Um, but, you know, making sure that if the answer is not yes, maybe you don't say no, but don't say yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I think that that is also really important um yeah again you can soften things and and I do think there's a certain group of people who like to say things absolutely directly and there's you know people get along with each other because they have this frank open direct conversation style Mm -hmm. I personally don't have that and I can find it to be very harsh when people confront me with that. And I've had people say, oh, you're lying because I don't come out and say something in like the harshest possible way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I think it is very important to understand communication styles, whether it's through body language, whether it's directness and, and to to both try to understand it, but also recognize where your limitations are and where other people's limitations are. And, and that's part of the calculation of having, you know, a built family and friends Mm -hmm. and the people that you like kind of around you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: are people that you're going to be able to communicate with.
0: Yeah. I haven't looked at any studies on this though, but I'm guessing that if we looked at the actual percentage of people who are willing to say no, like full stop, no, or say it in any way that sounds clear, it would be a fairly low percentage.
1: I think that definitely would would be different um, if you broke it down by race and gender.
0: Also, culture. I think uh, if we take, yeah. if we look at just like it, I don't know. Let's say we take a U.S. specific look at it. Um, th- I, I do have a feeling. I, um, I had a client. I'm not going to say too much about this, but I had a client. So I've seen the worst case scenario on having no ability to pick up on body language. I had a client who was very good at asking assertively for the things that person wanted. Um, and if anybody answered in anything other than like a no with a slap across the face, Mm -hmm. the assumption was that it was a yes. And this client would continue to pursue action items with everybody in her sphere until they made it happen, which it turns out like From my vantage point, it looks like about 92% of the people in her sphere actually had been trying to say no. And at the time I would approach them with follow-up items, they would back out, they would be flaky, they'd say, sorry, I can't make it, can't do this, they'd hold it off, they wouldn't respond, they'd say no thanks to somebody else on her behalf But they couldn't say, in fact, they probably did say their version of a no when they were having a conversation with her, but she never picked up on it. And so she was really frustrated and confused because why are this many people in my orbit so flaky? And it was like, well, let's examine and she was really frustrated because when I boiled it down for her, I was like, maybe they were trying to say no, but they couldn't say no. And they, it came across in other ways. And she was like, well, why can't people just say what they think? And I was like, well, good point. Good point. But if you now accept that they're not always saying it directly to you, like what's the growth we can all have here? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's something for them to work on. And maybe this is something you can check out. <laughs> like, it was really interesting to see the frustration on all sides with it, though, because she really didn't see any gray areas. It was like impossible for her to perceive when somebody like hesitated for a moment before they said, ah. you know, like when when they kind of leaned away a little bit, you know, when when they're like, "Um, I have to check my calendar. She's like, great. You check your calendar and I'm <laughs> going to respond to you once a month for the next six months until you make it happen. You know, so it was like, wow to see to see it play out in such an overt way was really fascinating and I and I found that like not even not even the majority like almost a hundred percent of the people that she encountered were not willing to meet a direct ask with a firm no and it was they were all adults too is the thing it was like wow
1: and was she in a position of authority
0: um yes and no, not enough where like people didn't have to circle in her orbit if they said no. And they still were uncomfortable saying no. Like if somebody said no to her, most of those people could have not seen her again for a really long time. And they still, it was a really interesting study in human behavior. And because a lot of those people saw me as her whisperer, Or like somebody who could say a direct response on their behalf, they were asking me to do it way far down the line. So it was like, I actually got to see how many people this played out with. And it was stunning. It was like, how could so many adults um, be unwilling to communicate? Like the percentage seemed really skewed to me. I would have thought that personality wise, there would be a more of a balance. And boy, was there not. (laughs) It was wild. Now, granted, maybe some of those people weeded themselves out too, you know, so maybe that I just never encountered the people who had said it for now. But it was, it was surprising. So I feel like, um, I think that you're right. I think that if you can work on whatever your weakness is, that's great. You know, like if you're somebody who isn't great at saying no, maybe learn how to set a boundary. Maybe start finding ways to build that skill for yourself because it can make your life a whole lot easier and much more pleasant. But then, you know, if you're somebody who says, oh, you said yes, but in actuality, there was a lot of context that showed a no. um, I, I do think there's value in trying to be more perceptive as well and that can, can save a lot. So I think it was hard to boil this one into a note from an optimist, but I'm just saying, here's the lesson <laughs> we can learn. Let's all do better.
1: Yeah. Let's just all do better. I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I haven't had quite the same experiences. I, I feel like I've had a lot of direct people in my life mm-hmm. and, Um, also known, you know, people on the spectrum and they're very upfront that you have to be clear with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't mind. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I have dealt with other cultures uh, where you had to be very, very clear and firm. Yeah. And then coming back to the US, it came off as as being overconfident, because I had to say things so firmly in other, other spheres of yeah. my life yeah. that people were like, well, like, how do you know that that necessarily is? Or, And it's like, I just had to get used to sort of softening things again. I think Um, that is
0: one of the interesting things, especially if you've worked in different cultures or lived in different cultures. And that that could probably be true, even if you've lived in the same country and you're just in different communities, but um, we both have lived internationally and worked internationally. Um, And so you do have to adapt. You have to, you have to really tune in to like, how did, how did things get done here? How are people here? And how am I supposed to be? And you have to try to find a way to, to, to sort of like dial up and dial down on your attributes in a way that matches it better. So I do think it probably sets people like us up a little bit better to do that in everyday situations because you just have more practice doing it. But it can be really hard if you get accustomed to a totally different style of communication, Mm -hmm. um especially if you like it if you like something that's new and then you have to like go back to something you don't love to to be accepted in a space that can be weird
1: yep absolutely yeah but i do agree with your point yeah all be better you know who's not being better (laughs) (laughs) who fish who felicity's dad
0: yeah he's not being
1: better And he called the dean and Felicity's now getting a phone call from someone in the dean's office saying, uh, your father called us and sorry, we can't really help with that.
0: To get you into your class. And above all things, like Megan and Felicity were in their dorm room asleep and she gets this call, waking both of them up and with an unnecessary wake up because... (laughs) am i wrong was she not really clear with her dad do not call anyone
1: she was very clear but you know it wasn't about her she wasn't listening to her yeah
2: yeah this
0: was not a good move for reporter um so i feel like i need to skip over the eric julie stuff for a second um yeah let's let's keep going to the next time we see julie felicity and elena back in the dorm and they've just met up they're making a plan they're thinking of going to Bleecker bobs uh they're
1: julie looking makes at a giant eyeball mm-hmm. in the telescope
0: when julie put the lens on backwards um and Julie makes a comment about the telescope and Felicity is just saying, don't worry about the telescope. I'm never going to use it anyway. As she's opening the door. And who is on the other side of the door, Fish.
1: It's her dad. Again. <laughs> Again. You know, if you took this episode and you just spliced out her dad's stuff mm-hmm. and took away all of the dialogue mm-hmm. and then put like a stalker music behind it. Yeah. It's... This- this could definitely be one of those like now it's a horror movie yeah yeah like he's showing up right behind her she's got to turn around and lie really quickly
0: i'm just doing a quick count so outside the the opening on the airplane after that we have seen four in-person interactions we have seen four interactions with dad and felicity He has called the office an additional time and who knows how many times we haven't seen that he's shown up. So now this is time number five. Mm -hmm. This is brutal.
1: He's at the door. We're not, we're not done.
0: No, we're not. This isn't the end
1: folks. I've still got one, two, three, four, five pages of notes.
0: This might be halfway through the number of times (laughs) we've seen him or roughly. but this time this one's like egregious he's at her door he overhears the comment about the telescope kind of dings his feelings a little bit he invites everybody to lunch even though they're clearly about to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and he's like let's all go to lunch and elaine and julia like um okay i'll take a lunch that's fine and so now they're going to lunch he has he has hijacked not only Felicity, but her whole social network <laughs> yeah.
1: in this moment. But she does lie to him. She she turns around, and she's like, no, no, no. I was kidding. I love the telescope. And just under this, like you see these intense moments for Felicity from this. Yeah. And I just write, I just wrote down, she's gonna snap. Like this. She had to let something out. Yeah, this
0: next lunch kind of broke my heart a little bit. Um, maybe I saw a lot of me in this. I don't know. Um, we now see this lunch play out, this wonderful free lunch where it's clearly been really awkward for a while, and they don't know what to say to each other. Yeah, just um, completely
1: silent at the table.
0: And so her dad reaches out. He's he's like, OK, what do I know? What do I know? Uh, Elena, how's human bio? And he says hum bio because that's how the people say it, you know, when they're in, when they're pre-med. And right. so she gives him a quick answer. And then I think, was it Felicity that said, dad, ask Julie about her demo. Yeah. And so he's like, oh yeah, I heard about your demo. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then we get to the passive aggressive part, right? He's like, okay, so let's talk about declaring majors. And he's, then he like kind of comes at Julie. He's like, don't you have to declare a major by the end of the semester? And it's still awkward. And Elena ends up jumping in and saying, people go back and forth sometimes. It's fine. That's the notes of what gets said, but the discomfort and that inability to speak from Felicity and the glances she gives to her friends because she desperately needs help. (laughs) Like, it's like, wow, I'm feeling this to my core
1: yeah and again being pretty oblivious he you know her dad probably just thinks he's checking in you know like you know just figuring out when they have to declare their majors you know julie says she likes um music is she a music major um you know and and he's he's gathering information he doesn't have which he also doesn't have any right to. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is part of the issue here is he still feels like he's in control and he should have all the information and he should you know, be making decisions. And yeah. that's not the position he's in anymore. And, and with the declaring major problems.
0: thing, he, it does come across in a judgmental way with Julie. It's like, but don't you all need to declare your majors by the end of the semester? Like there was a, there was a challenge there. Yeah. And you would have liked to see Felicity be able to jump in and be, and stand up for Julie in that moment. But that oh, was not man. Felicity's dynamic God. with her dad. And it wasn't, it's weird when you have a dynamic let's say with a family member or with somebody that you're not as comfortable with. And then you are put in the same context as people you are really comfortable with because they've all seen completely different sides of you and you're comfortable to share different levels of information with them. And one side doesn't know what the other knows. So like, there's a lot for her to try to balance in this conversation and you know, him challenging Julie well, the last time her parents challenged her, she fought back and stood up and walked out of Epstein bar. Mm-hmm. But that just wasn't the way this was set up. And so she's just sitting there. The look that she gives to Elena and Julie in that moment, like, somebody help me.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to lose it.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. She uh, had a lot of intense looks. Yeah. this episode. Um. I don't know. Just you talking about that, I will admit, I watch Naked and Afraid. I do. I watch Naked and Afraid XL. I do. I like survival shows. Um, And I was just watching the first season, Columbia, and there is a conflict between that there's um, one male and two females who are together and trying to survive for 40 days Mm -hmm. and there are sort of these groups of threes and they're kind of near each other like you know miles apart but sort of near each other and these two guys walk in from another area and they're talking to the guy alone and he is so happy to see them and he is like, over the moon, and, you know, was talking and all this stuff. And then the two girls walk up, and this guy sits down, stares at the ground, and doesn't say a word. Mm -hmm. And those two other guys picked up, like, immediately that something had gone down here, and, and they needed to be really sensitive about it. And so mm-hmm. this is reality television. This is real life. Yeah. And so like these types of cues are there and they are something that people pick up in, especially when you're kind of stripped down to your basic instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just kind of feel like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This felt everyone here should have. Yeah. Like every, everyone here should have realized what was going on.
0: Yeah. And yet it still has to play out. Right. Like even if they did, it's still playing out, but they, not everybody did. Um, there's, let me put a, um, a term to this actually. So for example, there's a technique that, um, When people are dealing with like a narcissist in their life, one one piece of advice is to remove the narcissist from your life, because that's like the most effective way that most people have found to deal with it. But a lot of us are not in a position to be able to do that for various reasons. So then when you know that you have to stay in context with somebody that you deem a narcissist, you have some, some different techniques you can try to pull from. One of them is called the gray rock method which is i don't know if it's brilliantly named but it's this idea that like when you are around this person you have the personality of a gray rock like you give them no more than you're willing to give them you may not show enthusiasm or or disappointment you might not talk about really big things it's why a lot of conversations end up being like about the weather and you know like safe topics because the person who is gray rocking has like found, okay, here are the zones that are least troublesome. And if I stay within those, then there's less likelihood that the situation will inflame. So the challenge, like it's always challenging, but it's especially challenging if you are now put in the same room or in the same conversation with somebody that you are gray rocking with and people that you're not. Because there's very different levels of what you're willing to do, both from a conversation topic standpoint, and even from a basic personality standpoint, like the point of gray rock is you have almost no personality so that the narcissist wants to move on and with your friends or with the people that you're close to, or the family members that you're close to, whoever you want to give them more. And so to have that tension between these are people that deserve more from me and this person needs to get only this amount and then having to navigate that in one conversation is actually really complicated and I see her doing that here I see her like trying to figure out like I would handle my dad completely differently if it were just my dad I would handle my friends totally differently if it were just my friends but here they all are together and how do I cope with this
1: and I think we see a really good example of what happens when you can't do that. And the fact that he is showing up kind of hampers her ability to, to do that with him because he shows up right as she has an emotional moment of not getting into this oil painting class.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she kind of makes the mistake of telling him right yeah yeah. and then this is going to come back and bite her right now when he has called the dean and then she has to confront him about calling the dean and then he gets super defensive and is saying i was actually doing something really nice for you i'm not exactly thrilled about the fact that you're into art you know so he's like lashing out at and all of this could have been avoided if he just didn't know that's about the, the class,
0: that's the thing. And then, you know, you end up asking yourself, like, what, what, what is this relationship at all? You know, like, if I feel like I can't tell you about like, is it her fault for saying the thing? Well, that's how this is going to play out, unfortunately. And that's why people start to learn these techniques and, um, and try to employ them. Cause it's not the way you'd want to be in a healthy relationship, but this isn't a healthy relationship. And, um, the, you know, if you think about how this scene at the at lunch would have played out differently if Felicity had been comfortable with everybody at the table, she would be, I mean, Elena and Julie have not spent time with her dad. Like these are people getting to know each other. Felicity is the bridge between all of these gaps. So Felicity in this situation probably would have otherwise done the heavy lifting of making everybody at the table table comfortable with each other. If it were a healthy dynamic on all sides. And if it isn't, you get something like this, where, uh, she's relying on other people to step in for her when they don't actually know each other. So it's, um, boy, I've, I've really felt the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could talk about it forever and I probably shouldn't anymore. Um, but yeah, that's some of the stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess my default has been, uh, whoever is around the table that I am showing the least emotion to that is what everybody else is going to get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have the same approach. So you, you meet the lowest common denominator. Yep. Yeah. And that's exactly what she does here. She goes mute yep. for like the whole lunch. Um, and then it doesn't stop there, fish, does it?
1: (laughs) No, Uh, but I'm actually glad because, you know, she's finally standing up for herself. She, she is saying, you know what? I'm, I am not okay with you staying. You know, I said I was, and I'm not, and you know, once and it's mom just gets dad out and here. Felicity
0: now. They're walking yeah. maybe away from lunch. Elaine and Julie are gone. And yeah. he says, to prompt the thing that you just said, he says, so we can do that kind of thing more often now. Yeah. OMG,
1: Edward yeah. Porter. No, no, no. No. We, we don't want to do that at all we in fact (laughs) want you to leave and i liked that the first
0: thing felicity did here she didn't say anything at first she stopped walking she physically stopped her momentum
1: yeah
0: i think that was a psychological shift (laughs)
1: well she needed his attention she needed to know that she needed him to know that what she was saying was not in passing Mm -hmm. um and to try to take her seriously yeah. and I don't know what to do with the rest of this scene so she does talk about her mom and she says look I'm not okay with you staying you're already around all the time mm-hmm. when mom gets here she's gonna want to shop she's gonna want to you know have Tuesdays and at this point I don't I don't know what to say about this like I can't tell if he is being manipulative or not, or mm-hmm. if he's just, you know, saying like, I do need you around and, and your mom isn't going to be an issue. But at this point, even though he's not supposed to, he tells her, your mom's not coming. We're separating. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. me just being the cynic that I am, it feels. Feels very manipulative of him to say it in that moment where she is telling him she's she's trying to set a very firm boundary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he just like upends her whole world and she can't even respond. Like she's got yeah. nothing to say, she cannot continue setting her boundary with what he has done to her.
0: Mm-hmm. Um So I think I agree with you. And I think there could be people who say, okay, I think maybe let's have compassion for Mr. Porter here, Dr. Porter. He is, um, he's having an honest moment himself where he's telling her what's going on in his world. I think it can be both things at the same exact time. And this has a really negative impact for Felicity in a lot of different ways, And I'm not saying that he needs to be protecting her from that necessarily, but I see a lot of stuff playing out in a really, to me, I think that he's like, so needs to cling to the normalcy and the support system that is Felicity, that he's doing like absolutely anything he can do in this conversation to maintain it. And he's also sharing some honest truths. I think it's both. And when you look at the progression, so he says, we can do lunch like this more often as if this lunch was, was fun for anybody. Then she says, then she stops him. She's like, you called the Dean's office. I told you not to, he says, but look, that was a gesture on my part. I, I didn't even like art before. Now I'm helping you with it. It's like, okay, deflection, mm-hmm. like I told you not to you did it that was bad bad (laughs) like he's not registered whatsoever and then so she's like okay change tactic she's like it just feels claustrophobic not really okay with you staying here he's like I know what this is I'll move hotels I'm a little too close and she's like no dad that's not what I said let's try this again Like now mom's going to move here. She's going to want to do Tuesday lunches or dinners or whatever it was. And he says, mom's not moving here. Oops, should have kept that a secret. Didn't mean to tell you that. We were supposed to do it together. She's going to be pissed. This was, and then she's like, she's taking him to task. He's like, this was your mom's decision. Throws her mom all the way under the bus. Yep,
1: I wrote that down.
0: And then, you know, you come away from this And it puts her back into what probably feels like, you used a word earlier, pacifying. Yeah. And it does seem like this has been probably the most escalated version of her having to pacify one of her parents. But I get absolutely the feeling that this is a pattern for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just seems like... You know, he could have said a lot of different things like, oh, you know, your mom's just coming out here for the week. She's not going to stay for, you know, until July, right? Mm -hmm. It just seems way too convenient that he drops this bomb at the moment where she is just not backing down on this boundary. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's like, he's got to do something to make her back down. And so he, he just upends her world. Right. And, and now she it's not even in her head to set boundaries. She's, she's got all these questions. She doesn't know what's going on. She's like, whose fault is it? Like, is it about this job? Like, did you choose this job? And then he throws her mom under the bus and she, she doesn't have anything to say. She's just kind of like staring at him.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, and then knowing everything that her father has said and how hard he threw her mom under the bus, Mm -hmm. I think it is very telling that she then has a conversation with her mom on the phone where she's basically checking in with her and making sure that she's okay.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, she's, I don't think she believes what her dad said. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she knows what actually happened, but she is checking in on her mom, figuring there's more to this, Mm -hmm. but she's also, you know, she's, she's not telling her mom what her dad said and trying to create more chaos because I think she's taking a bit of ownership in this.
0: I think she's being obedient. So her father didn't overtly tell her in this conversation don't tell your mom, but he did say that he wasn't supposed to tell and that she, it they were supposed his her mom's coming out so that they could, you know, tell her together. And so he's setting up a rule set that like mom's expectation is that you're going to find out because we both tell you at the same time. And felicity for is protecting that and um you know it just on the surface of this you could come out of this and feel like poor poor guy his wife's leaving him this is a you know he doesn't understand why he hasn't he doesn't have his own self-awareness to figure this out what a sad time for him sure he's dealing with all that felicity has said so many really clear boundaries in these conversations with him now, like, and he is blowing right past and basically ignoring all of them. There's nothing. What do you do in that situation? Like, I'm not comfortable with you moving here. Well, I'll just, I'll just go to a hotel a little further away. It's like, I am not comfortable with you moving here. How many ways do I have to say that to you? And he, and that, you know, like everything gets deflected. There are so many ways if he really cared about her feelings or was listening to her at all, there are compromises here. There are alternatives here. There are things where he could be like, okay, I need this and you need this. What's, what's the middle? What's, what's the, what's the thing that can work for both of us?
1: What's like showing up all the time.
0: Yeah. Like. He's per- he's offering none of that. Like it could be showing up less. It could be I do need to move, but I could move somewhere else. It could like it could be well, what would be the right distance for you? Like like w- w- she was so clear, and he is so not listening. And gosh, it makes me furious. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> so <laughs> angry, and and but then it's so sad to see. That the the process that he's just been through with her uh, forces her to revert to her high school self, probably, of just like, whoa, stop setting boundaries, f- smooth things over, be the shoulder they can lean on. Um, It's a lot.
1: Yeah, I think it does more than that. Because when she's describing how she's feeling, she's saying, you know, it feels like everything's coming loose. Mm. Sort of this very unsteady uh, uncertainty about the future, uncertainty about the structure around her. Um, She hasn't had to deal with this before. It Mm -hmm. seems like they haven't had these types of fights. Um, and, you know, he is putting her in a position of being destabilized Mm -hmm. and, and I do think that that is probably worse. Um, and I think he's doing it in part by, you know, trying to hold on to the grains of sand that keep slipping through his fingers. Um,
0: and if he can destabilize her, maybe she needs to reach back for him. Where she is right now with a stable life, she has a support system that does not require him. And, and so she reaches
1: to her she reaches out to her mom is what mm-hmm. she does. Yeah. And if we remember, her mom was the one who came and, you know, met Ben and like had conversations with her. Um, I mean, at first she was really backing up her father, but then she she came around at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know whether Felicity is reaching out for stability with her mom or if, if she's checking in on her, um, mm. and
0: well, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I I think the, what I wrote down Felicity and mom on phone, mom lying, Felicity letting her.
1: Yeah. And I wrote down what she said, uh, nice having dad here. How are you? Mm -hmm. Didn't tell her mom everything comes loose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But the
1: thing that I've got to give her credit for, right. Is in the very next scene, she's setting her boundaries again. Mm -hmm. Like her dad is coming to check in on her and she's like, Nope. Uh, this is where we were talking about, um, right before her and Ben, Go to the the lovely aquatic center. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, no, like I'm I'm not gonna have coffee with you. I'm no.
0: Go into the library. Go home. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it was. And so another way to look at the scene too, um, if you're looking at it from his point of view, he has made a mistake. He has he spilled the beans. Well, like. It might've been intentional, but in the context of his relationship with his wife, he, he committed an error and he broke the rules. They were supposed to tell Felicity together. His, uh, she, Barbara Porter is about to fly out to New York, cross the country, for the sole purpose of having this conversation to break the news to Felicity. And he knows that. And he knew it when he told Felicity and he told Felicity he wasn't supposed to tell her. And he's done it. And he's left Felicity holding this giant bag of poop for her to process. And he might need to do some damage control here because he also doesn't know if Felicity is going to get on the phone with her mom. So it's like, maybe part of this is checking in on how Felicity's doing and maybe part of it is like he needs to make sure that
1: (laughs) he wants all the information yeah well at the very least he wants to know if she said something
0: yeah
1: um and uh, and she just doesn't give an inch there
0: yeah she just says leave Um, basically yeah
1: i am not interested in this
0: and that's what ben observes right before he comes up and says let's get out of here which fair point ben well observed, because although he maybe <laughs> didn't hear the conversation, and even if he did, it was Felicity blowing her dad off, you know, it was like, get out of here, dad. Um, so Ben accurately picked up on what must have been a really uncomfortable vibe in that
1: room. Mm-hmm.
0: And it was probably a really uncomfortable vibe in the room before her dad showed up because Felicity is reeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel it was probably quiet and dealing with her feelings and, and her inner thoughts. Oh, man. Yeah, but, uh, this episode. Um, yeah. But, you know, Felicity has someone that she can talk to about it who's been through this process before. It's called a roommate,
2: mm-hmm. Megan.
1: And, uh, you know, she's she's talking to you know felicity walks in the door and megan's on the phone with someone and felicity starts listening And she's like are you talking to my mom and megan's like no i'm talking to your dad bonus points you guessed dad on the bingo card yeah Oh, um man, there's so much lying and she loves the telescope and oh my goodness. But
0: do you love <laughs> so the bit we hear Megan saying on the phone? She's like, you know, I just thought, why not just declare my major early? Yes. O M G. This <laughs> Megan knows exactly what to say to parents, apparently. I don't know if her if it's for her own parents, but uh, I mean, if there was one thing that Felicity's dad was questioning of her other friends, it was, "Aren't you supposed to have a major declared already?" <laughs> mm-hmm. And here's Megan being the goody-two-shoes unexpectedly of this group.
1: Yeah, and um, and Felicity has this uh, this moment. And maybe you can talk about Felicity's side of it because I had Megan's reaction.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I don't know if you ever had this moment or when it was.
0: So are you saying the conversation that she has with Megan? Yeah. Yes. Let's just point out before we hit that, that moment. um, Megan's on the phone with her dad. Megan hands the phone to Felicity and Felicity gets off the phone in 0.2 seconds. Yeah. She's like, oh, dad, it's you. Got to go to the library. Bye. (laughs) Um, There's no conversation there whatsoever. She ditches her dad. And now it's Megan and Felicity in the room. And we do get to that, to that conversation. Um,
1: Megan, Megan loves the telescope. Absolutely. She is loving it. She thinks there's some, what were they, uh, psychopaths or something across across the way she was checking out.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's two sort of threads of this conversation that they have. Felicity felicity is buried in the thoughts in her own head and probably against any advice conventional wisdom that you might have. She just start speaking some thoughts to Megan because she kind of needs a little help here. Um, Megan actually entertains a real, a little bit of a real conversation uh, sort of. So Felicity says, you know, have you ever had that feeling when your parents become like more than just your parents and then she's like looking for her words and then it's like, you know, like when they just become people, It's like, yeah. Megan says, yeah. When I was like five.
1: Which was my reaction.
0: Which I don't know that that's entirely true. Um,
1: yeah. I was at least seven, but still.
0: Well, we saw Megan's parents visit. Yeah. And Megan was not Megan.
1: No, but was that her her defense mechanism to her parents
0: like I'm just not gonna fight
1: you on this and you're paying for college so whatever
0: so the reason that I question Megan retorting with yeah I had that when I was like five is that we are gonna see Megan's relationship with her, her parents evolve in this series and it has not happened yet that we've seen but she will get to a point where she's not meggy wearing the dresses going to museums. And so her coping mechanism, okay. Is that her understanding what her parents need from her, she's evolving too. So like her retorting in this way, isn't totally fair,
1: but, well, but it's not a question of, is your defense mechanism going to stop is, you know, or change or, how do you deal with your parents? Gonna change it's a it's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's oh my parents aren't gods, they mm-hmm. are flawed individuals. Yeah. And and on the one hand, when, when you are a young kid and you realize that, it's a little scary because they're supposed to be protecting you. Mm-hmm. Um and they don't have the ability. To do that, even maybe from themselves, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and they are going to mess up, and they're supposed to be creating boundaries for you, but there, I think there is like a what is it called? Cognitive dissonance when you know your parents are supposed to be setting up boundaries,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yet they can't understand and respect your boundaries
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um it's like you don't learn how to properly set them if they can't properly set them and respect them yeah so I think it's all just about perspective here and it seems to me like if Megan is who she is and is turning around and wearing this ridiculous dress to please her parents she probably has figured out pretty early on that she has to deal with these people in a different way. Yeah. And that even, they are in fact, people yeah, not
0: even if she then revisits how she's dealing with it later, you're saying it's still, she had, yeah. she's saying she had the realization. I, I would say, um, I do think that this is an interesting turning point in a parent child relationship. And, you know, having seen a lot of people and their parents, having parents myself, like you get a a broader sample size of the different ways people handle this transition and the ones that appear to you to work successfully and the ones that don't. And I will say that in my experience or in my opinion, the, the transitions that I think have worked the best is that when the child at any age, whatever age, has the honest realization, oh, you're a person. You're just trying to figure it out too. You have things that you're great at and you have flaws just like me. You have experiences and you have things you haven't experienced just like me. Okay. When the kid realizes that, that is a, that you can't put the toothpaste back in that tube, (laughs) You've realized it. You can unring the bell, all the expressions that you can't do. They've realized it period. If at that point, the parent realizes the kid has realized it and tries to find a new footing for the relationship. Those relationships that I've seen play out that way seem to be the most healthy relationships as the child moves into adulthood. Um, From what I've been able to see. And, you know, Felicity's had that realization now. And we're going to have to see what journey this now evolves into with her parents. I would say that from these early conversations with her dad, I'm not feeling great about what her dad's about to do with it, but we'll see if, you know, like if that continues to be the approach. Um, and we haven't seen anything from her mom yet on this, but the, the genie's out of the bottle,
1: you know? And it's, but the question I guess is, do her parents realize it? Because I mean, you gave one situation, right? Which is kid realizes it. Parents realize the kid realizes it. And they all try to figure out. How they're going to relate to each other going forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's a couple other situations. One mm-hmm. is the kid realizes it and the parents have no idea.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other one is the kid realizes it and the parents become more entrenched. Yeah. And and try to like clamp down on the current way the relationship is going. Ah yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yes, I agree that this could play out multiple ways. And like I said, I think the healthiest version is when everybody realizes that the genie is out of the bottle
1: <laughs> and they like,
0: I think this is an interesting opportunity that comes up in parent child relationships where it probably is very painful for everybody in almost every scenario. But, um, when you can be like, Oh, you see the world as it is now, we all see it. It allows, it creates an opportunity to build an adult version of the relationship. And that could be really interesting because, hopefully, as a parent, hopefully the child is going to be alive for a long time as an adult who has this realization. And this is your chance to like have a new foundation where everybody where is working with truths, like for a long time and bringing all of their shared experiences to the table or they're not shared experiences, bringing all of them to the table. Um, you can't really do that if there's this like unmovable hierarchy of like, um, we're your parents, everything we do is correct. We are gods, this is it. It's like, well, In a world where the child now starts to have adult experiences and look at the world and realize, oh, there are actually different ways to do the things that you're talking about, that there has to be room for that in in a relationship. So I think in the scenario where the child has the realization and the parents don't know about it, or in the one where the child has the realization and the parents become entrenched, it doesn't allow for the child to have their own experiences now outside of the rule set that the parents set
1: up. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about Megan here. She has, if she has had this realization at a very young age, Mm -hmm. you have no rights. You have no money. You have nothing. So the way that she has kind of dealt with it seems to be to just. Pretend. Yeah. To just keep following the rules because y- you don't really have that many other choices unless you want to like be homeless or in juvie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, I can see why she did what she, like the way she's been dealing and, and then I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as she maybe tries to, to to get away from that Mm -hmm. and
0: I think it'll be interesting to look at together yeah um and we're just getting to the entry point of this for Felicity so we don't know how this is going to go we just know Felicity's had the realization her parents don't necessarily know it yet but how is this going to unfold which of the the three paths that we just put out like what's this going to take which form is this going to take
1: and it's really unfortunate that it happened right now because she's probably facing one of the biggest issues that she has yet in her life, which is potential expulsion.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: what do you do then? Um,
0: and she reveals to Megan, because she's got to tell somebody, she's like, yeah, just got caught at the pool. I might get expelled. <laughs> Megan's like, hmm well, maybe your life's going to get interesting now. That's cool.
1: Nope. I mean, um, she didn't she didn't go up a notch, but she has the potential. Yeah. Yeah. potential now to be interesting.
0: Yeah. So I think to wrap up the Ben stuff, um, Ben and Sean have the same conversation about two different things. Uh, in <laughs> Back at the loft, Ben's like, you were right. Sean's like, uh, yeah, yeah, about Julie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben's like, nope, I meant about Felicity. But this mm-hmm. conversation goes on a lot longer than you'd think, with them having two very different understandings of what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was was well balanced. Yeah.
1: Um, that was really well done. Yeah. Good on them.
0: Ben, they they but they both have sort of like here's what we've learned moments. Ben's like, I've been stupid um i think i really wanted to be with felicity i think i've been stupid and sean's like i think i should say something to julie soon
1: yeah what i noticed about the scene was ben does not at all seem to be worried about about this sean no about this issue with the pool oh i mean like and felicity kind of she says there's the possibility of being expelled And she's not like laughing about it, but like Ben still got his smile on. He's talking about a girl. He does not seem worried whatsoever.
0: Well, I think it's good that you picked up on that. That's going to get addressed in the slump, which is two episodes from now.
1: Yeah. Because again, I remember something uh, not exactly similar, but kind of similar happening with my team. And I had teammates absolutely freaking out about it. And I guess I was the Ben of the group and I was just like, don't worry about it. Like nothing is gonna happen and nothing happened. It's
0: not coming from the same place for Ben. I can tell you that for Ben, the idea of dropping out of school is not off the table for him right now. Oh. He's, I mean, he was it? so invested in swimming that he was like, well, if you can't swim, like, why do I care if I get expelled from this school? Like, basically, Move
2: if we think about felicity. it,
0: maybe she's his lifeline. I mean, I, it's something I'm going to have to think about as we look at the slump, because if you think about... um you know, when he started swimming and he had that conversation with Julie, He's like, look, all of you have things that you do. That's like your thing. You've got your music. Sean's got his lame ideas. Like everybody's got something that they do really well. That's, that's like their identity. And I want something like that. And then he made it to the swim team and that became his identity. And now the school is saying you can't have that anymore. And like, you know, it's not like academics are the thing that he was really motivated by. You know, so what, like, if I can't swim here, can't be on the track team, like, what do I have in this place? And so I do think this is going to be a moment where he, he, maybe his, his like, lackadaisical attitude is coming from a place of, even though he hasn't said it yet, maybe it's coming from a place of, well, what? why do I need you anyway?
1: Well, but he convinced Felicity to come with him. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's not at all worried about her and the fact that she might get expelled. It's yeah. not
0: all about him. Well, they're gonna they have to like advance this storyline and this is a to be continued episode. I didn't remember that it was, but it is. Um and they will. One
1: more thing that Melissa was very upset about. I was so
0: frustrated. I was like, <laughs> why? Why did they put Help for the Love, Lauren, immediately after this? Why break up a To Be Continued episode? Who does that? Oh, my goodness. Writers, Your favorite on.
1: show. Your favorite show does it. Gosh. Name for me
0: another show that does a To Be Continued and makes you wait through a bottle episode to get there. I just
1: what's wrong I, don't know. I, I feel like there probably are some but none that stick out in my mind because
0: trying to think about I, one, it but...
1: doesn't really bother me I guess
0: God. well it's because you haven't seen helpful love born yet that's fine it's fine it's fine everybody I'm gonna be okay <laughs> don't worry about me we'll be okay Um, so yeah I, I they are gonna like some of these things, like what I just said, is not something that you know at this point, but you are soon going to find out that he's like reevaluating in certain ways, and Felicity is—we can't even say reevaluating; she's, she's at sea—and um, so we're gonna start unpacking that a little bit more in the slump two episodes from now um, to try to, f- to try to find a workable place for these characters. Because we don't, it doesn't, it's not, even though it's sometimes a real life to be at sea for a long time, that's not a fun television show to watch. So, yeah. you know, Felicity needs to get some sort of a rudder, you know, like she's rudderless right now. She needs something. And then, you know, Ben Ben is going to need to figure out what what's going on in his life. You know, the the tether of swimming isn't there anymore. And um, even though it frankly hasn't been for a whole half season so far, but that's fine. Um,
1: Is Ben having like the 90s version of a quarter life crisis? I think so. Yeah.
0: I think that that's something he's really going to unpack. Kind of starting now. Yeah. And Doctor Pavone is going to be important for that. I I'm love Doctor Pavone. Really interested
1: to find out who this Doctor Pavone is. Oh my god! i talking love talking about her. them.
0: Portrayed by Amy Aquino. Is that how you say her last name? Um. Oh my god, she's amazing. I just love her. I don't know. I'd be curious to see who else likes her. Of like listeners who. Um, I don't see a lot of people who are like Doctor Pavone forever. You know, like, but uh, I don't know. Is she just like somebody that you don't think about until you think about her? I don't know. Um, I love her, but okay. Uh, I profess my love for Dr. Pavone, check. Okay, so
1: yeah. we got one more scene with Felicity and her dad mm-hmm. where she is covering for him. And then she, see, this is where I feel like she's really pacifying him. Yeah. She starts apologizing. For being honest and, you know, lying about the library. And and then he does something I, again, think is manipulative. You know, her, her mom is still not there. This is just between the two of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he pulls Felicity in and says, we'll get through this. Yeah. He, he's he's putting them together and it does have an effect on her because she then says, I guess, to, to Sally,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I didn't, I didn't tell I don't know if, she, did she, if she said I didn't tell on her father or didn't tell my father um, because we were both in trouble. Like she was having empathy with him and she's just not going to move forward with anything that's going to cause more issues at the moment.
0: Well, but I'm going to go ahead and throw them. like, I'll call out the issues. I'm happy to do it. She might be too, too (laughs) sensitive about it So Felicity and her daughter are sitting at epstein Bar, and he says, mom won't forgive me for telling you. Mm -hmm. If you're Barbara- (laughs) What an asshole. <laughs> like, how many different ways can this man throw her mom under the bus? I mean, he tells her, give more. He and now, what a bad what a bad guy he's making her mom up to be. Mom won't forgive me for telling you. as she shouldn't, because <laughs> you agreed not to tell Felicity until you were together. she bought a plane ticket. she's flying out. The point of you telling <laughs> Felicity together was so that you wouldn't have it be like a one sided, there's a bad guy in this situation, reveal and oops, dad got to it first. Whoa, what a move. And then, like, it, the, he's doing it in a way that feels so grooming. Yeah. Um, it's like mom won't forgive Gross. me for telling you. And then Felicity's response to that is, well, I had a conversation with mom. But I didn't tell her that I knew. I'm going to let me her tell me herself. And it's like, and then you get as far as the line that you mentioned. And it's like, man, this is exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and language matters here, right? If he is worried about how her mom is going to react, he could have said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have told you. I should have waited. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's taking no accountability. He's saying, Your mom's a jerk. Yep. She could, she, because she's probably going to be mean about this. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> she should be mean, Edward. Ugh, Edward. This man can't with him. I don't think that I ever had such strong reactions to this episode. But with all the life experiences that I've had and the fact that we're doing such a deep dive, I. I'm noticing language here that um, is not appropriate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, like, I'm having a reaction to it. Melissa's also going to have a reaction to this.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think I always have reacted to this episode, but it's more, it's more, like a lot more right now. Um, her dad.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I've already said "fuckboy" and "asshole," so you can call him an asshole instead of just a jerk. I mean, just do it, Melissa. You can do it.
0: He's the meanest. He's the worst. Ed Porter is the worst. Um, <laughs> uh, she can't do it. It's all right. You don't have words to. For me, um, shall we? Shall we close out with the other parts of this? Why don't we just deal with? Julie and Ruby Noel stuff in a row Um, like just just do it all at the same time Um, yeah I
1: think we start with Noel and Ruby
0: yeah
1: Um... so Noel and Ruby um, they're in a classroom together they're not taking a class together Noel is a TA Mm Uh huh. he's a TA in philosophy Mm mm-hmm and Ruby, the doe-eyed, sweet and supportive girl, is in the class.
0: Yeah. And, you know, she's back from making her movie. And this is, what a way to throw yourself back into the relationship. Because <laughs> not only are they back on campus together and dealing with whatever, you know, dealing with each other socially. But now he's in, he's, a, he's her teaching assistant in a class. Um, yeah. Gosh.
1: But sure. it doesn't seem to be an issue for her. Apparently
0: nobody thinks um, it's a conflict of interest. That's fine.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, we'll bring that up. Um, and so will she. But she's just, you know, my feelings about Ruby have changed. Oh. Um, I no longer think that she is, you know, a secret serial killer.
0: Okay. She's just,
1: Great. Yeah. She's just so sweet and supportive and exactly what Noel needs because Mm -hmm. he's so insecure that he he needs this yeah and again you know she says um like I don't want any special treatment and he's like are you sure I mean again with the repeat of the issue with Felicity right like don't give your girlfriend's special treatment mm-hmm. and then he asks how he did and and she's really sweet about the criticism but it's just she, there's a lot of it <laughs> there is she, she just keeps she keeps talking and and then he snaps at her which is kind of his mo right mm-hmm. like he gets insecure and he's snapping at her and it's like water off a duck's back,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, And, you know, I guess this is a lesson for some of us. I've been here too, where it's like, okay, constructive criticism is great. Try to limit the number of things. <laughs> Even if you are well-intentioned, it could end up this way, right? So she's like, maybe you could try talking a little slower. He's like, well, that's great. Constructive criticism. Thank you, Ruby. And maybe make eye contact. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And maybe ask more questions. You can make it interactive. He's like, stop it now. Stop. Stop, stop. It's too much. Um, so you're right. He uh, he snaps. She is like, well, I was just trying to help, man. And um, he's like, oh, you know, sorry, I just get nervous. She's like, "You know, I'm going for that. What did he say? Challenging, but I- inspiring.
1: Yeah, something like that. Uh, mm. Yeah, sort of like the off-putting professor who's going to challenge but inspire everyone.
0: Yeah, and she's like, "You'll get there." Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he just snapped her. You'll get there. You can uh-huh. do this. Yep. End of that conversation.
1: Um, I'm I'm just saying, uh, Ruby's very sweet, and I'm I'm still having, Noel is still problematic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Ruby, well, okay. So there's good, they're going to keep, we're going to keep coming back to weird relationship drama with them as we go through this episode. But uh, next time, next next of the people that we wanted to track, we're going to see Julie. She is having a conversation with Eric who is in the middle of like kind of dropping the deal on her. So he said, okay, we're going to cover the cost of three demos, demo recordings. Just um, like, wow, this is amazing. I've always wanted this. He's like, yeah, have dinner with me to celebrate. She's like, Oh <laughs> uh, boy, the energy shifts right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's clearly been avoiding him. Um just in the way that they're talking about it. He's like, you know, you weren't able to do this. You weren't able to do that. Um, so it's been in her mind since, um, Sean said it. Yeah. And I think it clued says,
0: her
1: yeah. And she says, okay, but she's, she's uncomfortable about it.
0: She's very clearly uncomfortable. Eric is also somebody who could use the lesson on reading body language.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, she gets a three demo recording and she gets to sleep with Adam Rodriguez. So I'm not feeling too bad for her.
0: Well, at this moment, she is only saying a very reluctant yes to dinner.
1: Yeah. To celebrate. But I'm just saying that that's an option.
0: Yeah. Okay. I see, what, I see what you're saying. It may or may not be an option she wants to take. Um no. She says, and the thing is, he he notices that she chills off enough that he's like, dinner, but just to celebrate. You know, like, he qualifies it. He takes it seemingly out of date realm and into, we're just colleagues celebrating over dinner. And Mm -hmm. he knew enough, he he noticed her body language enough to do that. And she says an uncomfortable yes.
1: I think i think he's just fine at reading body language um he's i think he knows what he's doing um yeah, he you know he is do. backing off just enough it's just he does he wants what he wants yeah and he's going after it
0: sure is
1: I'm not in a good way but again yeah him, so.
0: well other things that don't happen in the best possible way we're going to go back to <laughs> nolan R- ruby They're in the next class that he's TAing for and he's in the middle of teaching and he's, you know, he's looking down at the syllabus the whole time. He's pacing nervously. He's not really teaching a class. He's just sort of reciting the material and Ruby's trying to get his attention. She keeps pointing to her eyes like we talked about eye contact, man. We can do this. Eye contact. She's trying to get him to do that. But he. I don't know. Was this, was this him lashing out or was this him yeah. using her as a lifeline?
1: I think this was him panicking.
0: Yeah. He's asking a question to the class. Nobody's raising their hand. He sees Ruby pointing to her eyes and he's like, Ruby, yes. You wanted to answer the question. She's like, nope, that's not what I was trying to do. <laughs> he said, But okay. Hobbs and Locke, your thoughts? She's like, Ugh. And she panics and she's got no answer. And then he just moves on and
2: answers the question himself. And she's
0: pissed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: She is pissed.
1: And I, I think it's a bit of miscommunication here. Like, yes, he shouldn't have put her on the spot. But he was desperate. She got nervous. He was nervous. Like... You know, I'm giving, I'm kind of giving them all a bit of a pass here because I'm trying not to be sexist because I kind of feel like Noel should have stepped up and like dealt with his shit and not put her on the spot, but I can't say that because equality and all, um, so I'm going to say I'm giving them both a pass because it was a tough spot for them. She was trying to be supportive and then he surprised her and he was panicking and he didn't know what to do. And so he grabbed her and pulled her down with him. Mm-hmm.
0: And she also, you know, she put herself in a bad position because if you're in the class and you're somebody who doesn't want to be called on, what are the things you do?
1: You do look down. Eye contact. You try to, yeah,
0: you <laughs> don't make eye contact. You try to make yourself look very small and unnoticeable. Yes. You maybe yawn or you cough or you, You do something that looks like you're distracted or like you're like it's it's, it's simply not possible to respond. Um, Maybe you fake a coma. I don't know. You do something (laughs) to make yourself less noticeable. And she she was like, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) So his eye is going to be drawn to her. Um,
1: And she was the only one moving her hands.
0: The only one. I mean, if there was anybody who was trying to be noticed in that room, it was Ruby. So like, if he's just like, Look for movement and call on that person. Well, unfortunately, that was Ruby. Yeah. No. Well, in other things that people didn't give consent for. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, nice I've, transition.
1: I, I don't know. Nice I was
0: trying to figure something out real quick. Um, that was good. So, Julie and Eric, they're having a conversation about writer's block. Julie is experiencing it. Eric is reassuring her. And he thinks this is a great foreplay sort of moment. He leans in for the kiss. And Julie's like, whoa. (laughs) And she kind of (laughs) like leans all the way back away. She says, you know, Eric, when I said that I've always wanted a record deal, I didn't mean I would do anything to get it. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. I get that. And if you, I'm into you. But if you need proof that it's about more than that, I will wait for as long as it takes.
1: Well, not as long as it takes, but at least until her first album goes platinum.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's
1: true? Nope. Okay. Not even a little bit. All right. No, but it. he has gorgeous lips.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, unfortunately, your obsession with Adam Rodriguez is not going to bear out in how you're supposed to see this character.
1: (laughs) I, look, I'm sorry. It's just, I I apologize to those who are not obsessed with him, and therefore he is a creepy character, but I, I mean... He's gorgeous.
0: No, but I do appreciate, though, that you're still, like, able to acknowledge somewhat impartially the signals the show is giving us while having an, an obsession with the human Adam Rodriguez. Yes. Um, I feel like you're holding those two things in balance very well. The fact that you understand that they're setting up for him to be kind of creepy, um, if not a full-on creep. And and they're doing it quickly here too. By yeah. the way, we just but met. They did
1: accelerate like a... that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, we just met this guy. Um, but that's okay. So we have another thing to reckon with here before we get back to them. So Ruby and Noel. Yeah. Ruby's pissed. She was humiliated.
1: Yeah.
0: And, she was prepared um, in class, but she froze.
1: Yeah. Because she was nervous, and and so was Noel. They were just they were both nervous and panicky and they didn't know what to do and now they're mad at each other and and ruby is gonna take it she's gonna take it uh somewhere back to felicity she's just she's gonna say you know i'm sorry i'm not a brainiac like your previous girlfriend
0: yeah she says, "I guess I'm not as smart as your brainiac ex-girlfriend."
1: Yep. No. Well, you know sorry. it's Felicity because I don't remember her meeting Hannah.
0: Yeah, she is. She she means Felicity. Um That feels like uh, a really unfortunate precedent to set in their arguments. Yeah. And. Yeah, I don't think that level was warranted, but I imagine she feels sensitive or vulnerable around knowing who Felicity was wanting to stack up, wanting to get to know, Noel again, knowing, you know, and we're coming off an episode at the end of season one at the end of uh, season two, the first half, um, we're coming off an episode where she was very aware that Felicity was like part of their dynamic mm-hmm. and that, and she, she literally had to approach Felicity and say, are you going to get back together with Noel? So Felicity is on her mind and she may very well be in this like pit of comparis- comparison, like comparing herself to what she perceives to be Noel's other option.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But boy.
1: Paul is not going to react well to this a few scenes later.
0: Well, yeah. We'll get
1: there.
0: I'm not even totally sure how, he, how he's supposed to, but it, it is, it's a, it's It a, wasn't this way. Yeah. This is like what? a very, um, even. Ruby's feeling vulnerable about this. She might be, she might be sharing what she sees as a truth and what she feels nervous about. But this feels like the kind of thing that will become a wedge in a relationship. If you keep coming back to comments like this. Um, because
1: you can't change the fact that he dated Felicity. Mm-hmm. You can't change who Felicity is. And maybe, maybe we just skip to the, the yeah. Nolan Ruby scene because they're, they're really linked because yeah. she, she's still mad yeah and so he comes back with this
0: peace offering
1: yeah this three-legged frog-esque peace offering to Elena which,
0: yeah yes
1: from Elena who apparently is just like you know a, a sewing factory now Or maybe Um, he just
0: took the one that was meant for the other person she was making it for. Like maybe he went back to the apartment, confided in Elena and she's like, take this frog.
1: (laughs) Oh, see, we went two different ways. You went with Elena's compassion and I went with, he stole it. He's a thief.
0: It's possible. All these interpretations (laughs) could be.
1: Um, But Ruby is so easy and nice about it. And she, you know, she doesn't know what this thing is, but, um, you know she's accepting it Mm -hmm. and he responds so well to the support that she gives him Mm -hmm. right and then
0: she's like you're a great ta
1: yeah but then he he has to say something terrible he's like and you're a brainiac sort of well well,
0: so he says, and you're a brainiac. And she's like, come on. And then he was like, well, sort of. She yeah. doesn't believe it when, he's, when he calls her a brainiac. She's like, and I reject your, that, like, that's not it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but again, don't say sort of. Yeah. So I mean, I called Ruby dumb. I, I asked the question if she was dumb or not, right? Mm-hmm. But even if she is dumb, you don't call her dumb when she has just compared herself to your ex, who is clearly smarter than yeah. she is.
0: I think him saying sort of was a reaction to the fact that she actively rejected the label of being a brainiac.
1: doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't say sort of.
0: Okay. Got it. I hear you.
1: Just keep your mouth shut. Noel. Learn when not to say things.
0: I also don't know that this is the way that they should address this. Like, I would like to think that if this were really an issue, like if Ruby is in deep comparison mode, there needs to be more of a conversation around this where Noel's like, you and Felicity are different. Here's what I love about you. You know, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, but can he do that? Yeah, I don't know if he
0: can, but that does feel like a real problem happening here. It was such a small thing for her. Like, it was one line for her to say, but for her to say, guess I'm not as smart as your brainiac ex-girlfriend. I feel like took this to a place where she can always say stuff like that. And it's coming from a place that's real. And I think the only way that he could really diffuse that is to be like, she is not a factor. I am with you because of the following reasons. You know like
1: remember the last episode i know i know right
0: yeah i mean that's the thing right like he has been grappling with it but in in his defense in this episode he doesn't even he doesn't even encounter felicity once you know like he doesn't mention her he doesn't name her he's not we're not shown that he's thinking about her it's not to say he's not but like we are not shown that we are only shown him dealing with his new teaching assistant position and Ruby. So it's like not really fair for what we've seen. Um, But if it's an issue.
1: The two last episodes. Yeah. So I think we can extrapolate from the fact that in this episode, that's not what they wanted to focus on. So they didn't put them in the room together. That those feelings have not just magically gone away.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they probably haven't. Right. But there's also been stuff that's happened with Ruby In the like they went to LA together. She finished up her movie. Yeah. They came back to school. She's in his class. Now they have all this experience that they're building and co-creating. And. If this is a, if this is an issue, which it probably is, and their relationship is going to go anywhere, I think it needs to be addressed in more than a guess. I'm not as smart as your brainiac ex-girlfriend and you're a brainiac too. Like that is a sort of flippant way to address what probably is a much bigger like conversation to be had. So I don't know.
1: I mean, it all kind of depends on how important this was to Ruby because all indication so far has been, she's pretty even keel. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one she did get upset, mm-hmm. but even her being upset was remedied by a three legged frog, yeah, so I mean, there are some people who just go with the flow and don't get upset, and if if she is so enamored of him, maybe they don't need to have that discussion for her sake
2: mm-hmm. for
1: for her. The internal dialogue for her. Mm -hmm. They probably still need to have it because Noel doesn't necessarily know what he feels at this point.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, that's all we see from them, I believe, in this episode. And we'll wrap up with one more Julie and Sean scene, which, boy, there was a lot going on under the surface here. So. Mm Julie comes back to the loft from the dinner that she had with Eric and I feel a somberness and Sean finds out where she was and he's like oh you were with Eric she's like well he hopefully he you know he's a swanky you know record label guy like hopefully he showed you a good time and she's like oh you just took me to dinner and Sean is gutted but quietly and he was like, well, he wants to have a really heavy conversation with her. He says, can we talk? And you know that what he wants to talk about is I've got feelings for you. And she comes over and he has her full attention and he can't do it. And so he goes, what's that? What's in your hand? She's like, my contract contract. And now this is another route he can take in this conversation. So he's like, your contract, that's amazing. Wow, you're the best. This is awesome. Like, why didn't you tell me? And then he's like, and and wait, so no, nothing, no funny business
1: with Eric? Yeah, I mean, he, oh, yes, this is a very 90s phrase. Say it with me, people three songs with no nookie mm-hmm. where do we all know that from that fantastic limp biscuit song don't lose respect for me i saw them in concert but it was with metallica i was not there for them um but you know it's all about that nookie
0: mm-hmm. and... oh i skipped a scene fish
1: oh julie was at the recording studio no no that's later
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, awesome. I this is. I'm yeah. sorry, everybody. My notes are. I have a really unusual way of taking them, and I just <laughs> confuse time. Sometimes time is a straight line. Sometimes it goes backwards. Okay, never mind. As you were fish.
1: Um. Yeah, I was bearing my soul. Biscuit. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue bearing your soul about Lump biscuit, please. Uh, no, no, it's done. Okay. Um. So we're all about it. <laughs> We're all about the Nookie and Sean has wimped out. Yeah. But now we are going to the last scene with Julie and some rando mm-hmm. who is gonna give her a little knowledge. But Do here's the thing know. though.
0: In that in that scene with Julie and Sean, where he's like, so okay, so like no Nookie, like and and like she's like, no, none meanwhile she fully knows that he was right and and i think and it's not just a i don't think this is just a matter of pride i think that there's like somber feeling that i got from julie it's not just about sean being right it's about my music isn't enough like she she was really hopeful that she was getting this opportunity on the back of being a good artist and it's all she wanted from this situation and it's like yet again like Another guy just wants this, you know, like it, I think, I think that she sees where it's headed, but she's too afraid that it will head there, you know?
1: Yeah. Because, you know, with the whole Zach thing, sure. She eventually did turn him in and she had the conversation with Ben and she confronted Zach But I haven't seen her, you know, have these relationships where she is kind of a more powerful, you know, person in it. I don't know if she truly believes that she doesn't do something to guys still.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like
1: she still has that insecurity in her.
0: And I think there's this uncertainty, like, can my, I'm holding this contract in my hand, can this dream still come true? Like how long can I proceed down this path? Will I be able to see this through? Like, is this guy going to make it impossible? Like I'm holding the contract in my hand. Is this real? Um, like, is this thing going to come to fruition or is this guy going to now get in the way of it? And it's such a tentative place. She wasn't even going to tell Sean that she got the contract. Nope. She's like, it's like this really paric victory. Like she has the definitive answer in her hand and it feels so undefinitive she can't even celebrate it. Yeah, It's it's so loaded. And I love how much there was going on in this conversation with Julie and Sean. And Sean doesn't know all of this is happening. He doesn't know about Zach. He doesn't know about her history with guys. He doesn't know about as far as he can tell eric's on the up and up like he doesn't know all he knows is she just gave him this out of having to declare his love for her and so he's like fully game to be supportive and he would be supportive anyway you figure um he doesn't know all the stuff she's grappling with he doesn't even know how loaded it was that he suggested eric might be interested in more to begin with.
1: yeah but, um, and, and I don't know that Julie is a hundred percent convinced
2: mm-hmm.
1: about Eric yet. I mean, he did say he'd wait. She does have a contract. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe this can work.
1: Maybe. there's hope mm-hmm. until she gets to the studio to record. Yeah. Some psychy guy. And who knows Eric? Mm because he's in the studio and um you know he says oh you're going out with eric just just assumes it because she's in the studio
0: like how long have you been dating eric yeah not are you Uh, how long (laughs) Yeah. oh gosh
1: and she's like i'm i'm not going out with him Uh, and the guy's like oh He's kind of like you, sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, okay, then.
0: That's unusual. He just has a bit of a rap.
1: Yeah. He's just one of those guys. Uh, That's a phrase that never means something good.
0: I have yet to hear it mean something good. He's just one of those guys who likes churros. You know, like, that's never like that, you know? Like, yeah. one of those guys who enjoys mowing the lawn. Like, I don't know. Like, well, that's probably sexual too, but it's whatever. It's <laughs> uh, almost anything you say here could be sexual, but that's fine. He, it's never good.
1: It's never good.
0: You're <laughs> <laughs> just no. one of those guys and boys being boys are never used in a good context.
1: I hate the phrase, boys will be boys, because mm-hmm. do you know the second part to that phrase?
0: No yeah
1: most people don't know there's a second part to that phrase it's boys will be boys and um and young girls must be ladies oh yeah okay there's just some of these phrases out there that like it always blows my mind when i'm like wait there was more to that yeah um always
0: surprises you when when stephanie just Like if, if you ever, have you ever read the full Jack and Jill fable
1: where he like cracks his head and
0: yeah, but it gets like worse after that. He goes to get taken care of by an adult and they like put vinegar and brown paper on his head. And I was like, ouch, (laughs) (laughs) how is this a way to resolve the situation? Um, yeah, I don't know. Lots of stuff that you, you, you only hear a little bit and then you keep reading and it's like, Whoa. Um, yeah
1: yeah but uh yeah eric he's a he's a cute singer magnet and you can just see that that julie's not happy she's not in celebratory mode anymore
0: this really feels like it, it the contract is a ticking time bomb
1: yeah but i mean to her credit she's going to sit there and record those songs.
0: Yeah. She's going to get us far into this. I mean, who knows maybe if she can just push this, like kick this can down the road enough. She comes out with a few songs. Like, I don't know. She's alert. She's, she's wary. She unfortunately can't feel the full weight of the victory of the contract. And she has, she's going to be nervous about it. And that's it. That's what she's got.
1: Yep. But she's going to believe in herself and record it. Yeah.
0: Uh, It's so, it's so unfortunate. I mean, honestly though, uh, this is real life.
1: Yep. It absolutely is.
0: (laughs) And this is the kind of plot line that you get to have in a college, like a show about people in college that you might not have gotten to have around people in high school. Um, and it just goes to show you how early this kind of thing starts, and it's real.
1: Yeah, especially in, you know, those um, those fields or those careers where people are really young when they come to them,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: like entertainment or some athletics. And it's just, you know, some people it's when you get out of college and some people it's working your college job, but it does seem to be, let's just say like favor trading starts.
0: And, I want to say, and this is my experience of what I have seen in the world and all the different jobs that I've had, um, you know, especially because I, uh, b- before I had my business, I was working in a field where you, it was like international sport events and you would, you would work different projects because the project would end and people would move to the next one. So I've gotten a chance to see a lot of different companies, and different organizations in operation over the years. And I've seen the same thing because I have clients and I, you know, like I've, I've I've had an eye into how a lot of different things operate. And I will say that in my experience, people always know, like this, this guy who worked with Eric was able to be like, Oh, so you're one of his girls. He's one of those guys. Yep. People always
1: know who like, well, I won't say always because when it gets to politics, yeah. There Whether are some people pretty speak deep up secrets.
0: Yeah, like I would say the majority I I'm, I'm going to say 90% or more of the time nobody speaks up. But if you were to if you were to put an anonymous survey in front of a whole office of people and say multiple choice all the people in the office, which one is the biggest jerk, which one is the biggest? like, which one is having like multiple inner office relationships, which one is doing this thing, which one is doing that? Like the people, the people who are these, like the people who are walking this line, a lot of people have their number and there's a reason they're not talking about it. Usually job safety. Yep. And like, but it's not like, oh, could it happen to any of us? Anybody can be accused. I don't know. Maybe there are people who have had that experience. But in my experience, like you could pull multiple women in the office and be like, who's the creep? And all of them would point to the same person. Like,
1: yeah. But unfortunately, it usually works out that it's the woman who comes off not getting career opportunities or being that it said that she's being promoted because of a relationship or a perceived relationship. And
0: a hundred percent of the time in my personal experience that a woman has come forward, they never worked in the field again, the field, the whole industry. And the man was employed again with no lapse in employment. A hundred percent of the time. Now there are people out there who have probably had different experiences. I'm just telling you what mine is and mine has been bleak. (laughs) So, so it's, and I get how it happens, you know, like I get why people, because of that, I get why people don't speak up when they don't speak up. Um, it happens a lot. And Julie is getting a real hard look at that
1: from someone who already has a lot of unfortunate sort of personal internal critiques of herself in that way.
0: And this this may be triggering for her. I guess the only advantage she has in this situation is that she is going to be ultra protective of herself. So she That's hopefully good. will be really um, attuned to where her boundaries are, but she's gonna have to test her resolve And her dream is on the line,
1: Yep.
0: you know, and that's a lot, but you know, hopefully she knows enough to have her safety in mind too. Like, like where is her line right now, especially after stuff with Zach and like, I'm hoping she'll be more tuned into that knowing, like having all this information now about Eric, And knowing she's probably going to have to spend more time with him while we're working on this demo or these three demos, um, you know, it's not a thing she probably wants to have to deal with. It takes a sheen off the dream, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, she needs a buffer. She needs to pretend she's dating Sean or something and start bringing him into every demo recording with her.
0: You know that probably would be her best option, although that's it's incredibly not going to be great for him. Ways, but yeah, yeah. Um, and Sean, you know, would be more than willing to do that, but that yeah. um, would be hurtful to him. But it actually is all of
1: some of her problems.
0: But then here you know, the thing with that is that how, how does she know the deal's not going to go away? You know, like yeah. it's so it's so tricky. Um, like they get these, so they get demos. That's not being picked up by the label. You know, it's like she does something like that. Maybe it doesn't advance beyond this. It's so tricky. It's the world. Um, It's one One way way that it it could play out. out. Well, fish. I mean, we're heading for this to be a long one, right? It's already been a long one. And we've covered most of the episode, but. Have you found things you want to censor?
1: I have. Okay. I have found a couple of things that, that I think work out. And, uh,
0: well then let's head into the, what the club did they say segment?
1: Ah, love that intro. Yep. All right. So they're all pretty short, but I have three
2: mm-hmm.
1: and all right. I'll do this one first. So this is, speaking of Julie and Eric, this is a little conversation that, that they were having about her, her career, potential career, when she does say, this is all I've ever wanted since I was a little kid. This and a big... And Eric says, I had a big... B-. Julie says, you did? Eric says, yeah, it was... Big. Now, I don't know why this is in the past tense, but, um, uh-huh. but it is. Okay. So, you know, just another shout out to Adam Rodriguez there. Mm-hmm. I knew he was supposed to be creepy, but he's got a big. Okay. So then I think I thought this was funny. Um, so of course, Felicity is still leaving dear Sally tapes. Yep. Even though Sally has passed, and she's talking about her, her dad and what's going on and why he's coming to New York. She says, Dear Sally, so my dad is coming to New York for a couple of weeks. He was invited to the university hospital to teach this procedure he helped developed. Something about the growing extra blood vessels. Wow. Yeah. What? What do you think is growing extra blood vessels, Melissa? His turnips. His, his turnips. I mean, that's, that's quite a, uh, an interesting shape for you to pick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that came to mind, all right? Turnips. All right. Turnips. Root vegetable. Root vegetable with blood. Extra blood vessels
0: how it works turnips yep. have to live somehow on blood yep <laughs> it's october for us it's horror movie month and I, this is not yeah. out of the realm of the types of movies that i've been watching okay
1: it's not and we all know little shop of horrors yeah. i mean little shop of horrors you know colon the turnip years
0: <laughs> or like what Pumpkinhead? that whole movie gosh oh, man yep that's a deep cut for those of you who don't know a lot about (laughs) harm
1: we Uh, do enjoy we enjoy we've gone deep into the catalog um Uh, okay yeah all right so we have one more this Mm -hmm. is between ben and felicity and ben has just you know walked in the door of dean and deluca and says well we haven't together since like The last millennium. Wow. Felicity says, yeah, is there anything I should remember about working with you? And Ben says, just that I get like 80% of the tip.
0: Oh (laughs) tip of what, Melissa? Turnips? Oh let's let's make it radishes.
1: The tip of his radishes. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> you, you are really not giving Ben any credit here.
0: Nope. 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 That's okay.
1: But, well, but I mean, Dr. Porter. Yeah. lots of credit.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well folks, that was the what the club did they say segment? Yep. And now we head into our beloved segment. After you listen to this tape, you have to erase it with some listener feedback now we've heard from a few people a couple a couple different things from each of them and one is a bucket of things that will I'll come to last the first two things I want to mention are sort of just one-off comments uh related to either stuff that happened in this episode or recently so first of all um we have well, actually I'm gonna do okay at colleen.tenbus on Instagram says I love the season two friendship slash sexual tension of Noel and Felicity in portraits, especially. So Colleen's a fan of that. Colleen also says I would have taken four episodes of lucky in exchange for one episode of David. <laughs> Them's fighting words.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to disagree. I, I mm-hmm. Lucky's Lucky's cute, and yeah. he's got those big eyes.
0: Great and, actor.
1: I mean, all-time, you know, SAG Dog Award winner. Um, and you know, David's David.
0: I had no idea people despised David so much. Well, it's like it's not even despising, right? It's like. Uh, a really forceful apathy.
1: Yeah. Like this (laughs) is the way I describe a few things in my life. And he fits in this category. He actively bores me. Yeah. So it's not just that I'm kind of bored. It's, it's an, it's an action that is being taken upon me.
0: Yeah. Oh man. So that's that. Colleen, you're in really good company. I think um okay now we have one about the swimming stuff from at insta.mickey uh who says i was listening to the episode one uh season one episode 15 podcast pro- which it's also relevant for now so insta mickey says probably uh jj abrams got ben into swimming because teenager speedman was on the Canadian swimming team and was ranked for the '92 Olympics, and they used to put Scott stuff into Ben. Scott didn't make the Olympics and had to give it all up because of a neck injury. And the running stuff, his mom was a runner. Um, so it's just some context. We're gonna see. We're gonna start seeing Ben on the basketball court a little bit more. And apparently, like that's what he was. He he loved basketball. So. I think they did a lot
1: of that stuff, but, um, yeah, I'm wondering if he did freestyle because the issues that I've had with his form, I think is that it's a little bit different, especially if you're sprinting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that you might breathe every other. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it cause I'd seen that comment and, and I was watching him this episode and I was like, "Yeah, like some people did used to to swim like that." And I feel like I don't know, maybe the the sport has evolved and people use different techniques now. Um, is there
0: any chance? I don't know what the neck injury was, but is there any chance that a neck injury could impact his stroke in freestyle?
1: It could, yeah, because um, he's. it's hard to explain just like out loud. You're there's this whole thing where when you take a stroke, you're supposed to elongate out Mm -hmm. um, kind of your whole body and then kind of push down. And there's this twisting that kind of goes on as you go from one arm to the next. Mm -hmm. And also you're supposed to turn your head to the side to breathe. Mm -hmm. And, so he's kind of turning his body yeah i think a little bit but i also don't think i would have seen that as like the major issue um i think it's more of a it might be like a style thing that we were taught how to do it one way and maybe at that time they were teaching them to do to swim differently. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it is interesting. Um, like if I think about gymnastics, if, it, if I think about really skilled, like Olympic gymnasts, if you get two of them side by side doing the same skill, very often there's completely different technique and they're all doing it well, but I don't know if it's the same thing with swimming. That's really about like, what's the most efficient way to do something.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think it changes over time. There are, and there are definitely different ways you swim depending on which events Mm
2: -hmm. you swim, Mm -hmm.
1: um, that have to do with number of breaths and, um, like just different stroke work. And so, yeah, it just, it depends.
0: Yeah. Like I think about something simple in gymnastics, like, uh, like a front flip, like, let's say you do a front tuck, a, a front flip and a tucked position. There's actually three completely different techniques for what to do with your arms to get into that flip that are often done in different countries. Um, all of them are accepted. Uh not, not all of them will be taught by one place. Usually you're taught one style based on the gym that you went to. And yet it's like a simple skill, but it has like three wildly different styles of technique. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting when you look at stuff like that, but okay. I was curious what you think about that. Well, all right, fish. We've got, we've got one more set here. We got a little, little bit of a bucket. We put out the question peppermint or not a peppermint. So actually what, what I said on Instagram was I put a picture of the, uh, I took a screenshot from the screen of Noel and Elena's place in the Thanksgiving episode with the thing on the mantle that we debated what it was. And all I said was, what is this? Okay. And we have a conclusive answer. That none of us have any idea what it is. <laughs> so here's the here's a few answers we've gotten to this point. At, let's see, at insta.micky says, understand why Melissa would think it's a peppermint candy framed because it is a holiday thing in the US, I guess. And I have no idea what that could be besides that then at Colleen.Tenbus comes in with a different angle. The color alternating with the red is not white, fam. Who ever heard of a red and beige peppermint? Although, is it just being affected by the sepia filter that the whole show is processed through?
1: But that I think seen, that that beige thing goes to what I was saying about it being an optical illusion. Because uh-huh. when you see the beige, it's because your eye is compensating for the fact that there there's a change in, um, that it's 3d. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't look white, but okay. when you see it as 2d, then it actually looks white. Right. Cause your eye isn't compensating. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, Colleen finishes that being said, I haven't the slightest of clues as to what it actually is. um, Okay, and then we had at Aunt Mary seventy two who trolled us hard, fish. Oh no! At Aunt Mary seventy two um, says it is a peppermint or not. Dot dot. <laughs> seventy two. Ah! Yeah, so good. Oh. Um, we don't know. I think it's fair to say that neither of the answers we posited are actually plausible. Uh, nobody else had another suggestion. <laughs> I. How do we find the props department from that show? Yeah. Twenty years. Somebody later? put
1: us in charge with whoever owns whatever that is.
0: We have a whole series of questions for them. This is only <laughs> the true. latest of a series, including the blue bike helmet, the lockers the Megan's gosh, box Megan's box I don't think we'd ever get an answer on Megan's box no no, on no just
1: the uh the decals oh yeah,
0: yeah yeah
1: how um, many skulls were actually in her room what is where did the funeral funeration...
0: operation... <laughs> <laughs> the, where did that poster come from yeah, yeah. um oh okay yeah Uh, I will be, I will be kind and polite when we talk to the props person, but I have questions. Um, (laughs) so those are, those are uh, the comments for today and now it's time for us to read the episode fish. So did you want to jump in first on that one?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, this one hits hard, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of content in it. And yes. I think they did it really well.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: think it, you know, lent itself to, what are we at? Three and a half plus hours.
0: I, and I knew it was going to happen, Fish. Like I looked yeah. at the number of notes I had. I knew that it was going to open up some really, I think, important conversations. I'm really glad we got to talk about the stuff we did mm-hmm. in this podcast. Yeah, it's a lot.
1: Um, so as much as I may not enjoy what the actors themselves are doing, Mm -hmm. uh, or really the characters, what the characters are doing, I very much enjoy the writing, how the story has been put together Mm -hmm. and how the actors are portraying it. So, I mean, this is going to get a high rating for me. Um, it didn't come with a lot of laughs Mm-mm. which i think it, it probably needed a few um maybe like just one or two Javier danish moments oh. uh what would, would have helped
0: a little <laughs> bit you <laughs> went there
1: yeah i did but i mean the pool scene and just like how that all made me feel so happy um I, I'm going to give this one a nine.
0: Cool. Um, I love it. Well, I measured this one in the unit of pool break-ins.
1: Cool. whole break-in. Wow, that's a...
0: Pool break-ins.
1: That is a large unit of measurement.
0: Yeah, it's significant. <laughs> um, and for it to be this many is amazing. I am going with 8.9 out of 10, which might be one of our closest...
1: That's got to be our closest.
0: Yeah, closest spreads. I also, um, I didn't miss the lack of comedy in this one. I think that uh, I think that the show does both things very well, and I think that for the types of stuff that it made us talk about and ask about, I'm really glad that they didn't sort of give us a, a cheap light moment to offset it. I'm I'm glad that they made this. You know, this is the first episode back in this half of the season. They've opened up so a whole world for us now of where they could go with all these storylines, with the way these characters interplay with each other, just by doing the little things they did in this episode. And there's a lot of potential character development for almost everybody on the table, Um, except Elena, (laughs) who I just want them to give her something to do.
1: They gave her a fantastic outfit to wear.
0: They did. She's going to get, she's going to get her own plot soon, but it's been a very long time since yeah. they gave her something really meaningful to do. And it's time Felicity writers. So I think for me the you know, where this gets stinged is really just a few places, not giving Elena enough to do having the Sally tape with no response, because <laughs> that's just obligatory at this point. And I think if you're going to make it so life altering for Ben to be cut from the swim team or not cut for the swim program, the whole thing to be cut from the university, could this maybe not have been the very first time they mentioned it in all of season two, please? Like this is not how it would work for an athlete and it would not be such an afterthought with no practice time and no mention of a pool ever for a whole half a season. But that's what they gave to us. And I think that it puts a lot of the audience at a real disadvantage to come into this episode and understand why being having this whole program cut could be so jarring for Ben.
1: Yeah, also- I don't think it's
0: just casual. I don't think it was something he just was sort of doing. I think this is identity and it was a major part of his his routine.
1: Yeah. Plus it would have given us more scenes with Scott Speedman with his shirt off. Mm-hmm. That as well. So,
0: so I've mean, got a few things that I, that I, um, I think it's a really strong episode and those that's me nitpicking and I'm excited for what they've set up here. Uh,
1: now yeah. I, I want to point out you've consistently dinged episodes that do not have a Sally return tape. Mm -hmm. And the next episode does have a Sally return tape. So I am expecting for it to get a little bump based on that consistency. It's
0: probably going to be minor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking off about 0.5 for that on the episodes so far, just if you're keeping track at home. Um, and I know I've been harping on this. I've been beating this drum, but I am a big fan of good story structure and that is not it, <laughs> right? So like, if you're setting something, I mean, it happened, you know, in this episode where Ben says Javier once and you're like, can you rewind? <laughs> and I rewound. And then he Ben says Javier and you're like, he's never said Javier before. And I was like, I'm glad you noticed that. And there's a payoff for that. And you called it Chekhov's Javier later. (laughs) That is story structure. Now, granted, they never had him do this at any point before this episode. But like the idea that you you plant a seed and then there's a payoff to it is just a good way to tell a story (laughs) like Sometimes stories work a little differently, but for the most part, when you prime an audience to look for something, they expect to have some like further answer to that or have it addressed again and not just be a random like haphazard thing. They have for so many episodes had Felicity having a deep conversation with somebody who never talks back to her. (laughs) And it's like, she's saying the most personal thoughts to a person who's totally ignoring her. So... I just, at some point, Felicity should have left a tape that's like, Sally, I don't feel like this relationship is working out. (laughs) I open up my soul to you. I I bleed into these tapes and nothing, nothing from you. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) So that's what I want.
1: Um, Yes. Well,
0: you're going to get
1: to, uh. You're going to get to tell us, I mean, WTF, Sally, uh-huh. next episode.
0: So, yeah, I'll reverse the order of these last two things I normally do. So the, the next episode is Help for the Love, Lauren. What it really should be called is Help for Melissa. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Um, I'm curious to know what people think uh, about this episode. Is this something you like? Is it something that you don't like? Like, what did... What what were your reactions to it? A lot of people say they enjoy the back half of season two. This is in the back half of season two. People don't seem to make exceptions for it. Is that because you like it or because you've totally forgotten about it? I don't know. <laughs> um, helpful the love, Lauren. That's what we're watching. Uh-huh. I don't even, and I'm just going to apologize in advance. Fish and I are switching our positions as cynic and optimist. We're flipping. Um, I've been upfront that I, I just don't know how else to do this. (laughs) Hopefully fish will actually enjoy the episode. Yeah. And I'm not
1: going to apologize for it because I think this is an opportunity for growth for both of us.
0: Yeah. I'm going to spread my wings and you will too.
1: Hey, you're the cynic now.
0: This is going to be the worst.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we yeah. Yeah.
0: You'll be surprised how naturally this comes to me in the next one. Um, Okay. So in the meantime, if you want to share any feedback with us, which we love, love, love to hear your feedback. Yes, we do. mm -hmm, Or feedback to each other's comments, which is super fun, or Felicity fan art, go ahead and email us at themelissafish at gmail.com. It's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And if you want to know when we drop each podcast episode, we send out a newsletter anytime we do. So you can sign up for the newsletter. If you go wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, if you go to the show notes, look for the link for how to sign up. You'll find our MailChimp sign up page. And that is how you can be informed in the future when we drop a new podcast. Lastly, of course, if you enjoy our podcast and you want other Felicity fans to discover it, go ahead rate or review us, whatever the option is, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Again, it's nice to add new fun fans to our community with, you know, people with perspectives of their own to bring, and it's all part of our conversation. So feel free to do that. It's a service to all of us. Having said all that, so Fish, is, is it possible <laughs> that we've missed anything? That we've left some stone unturned here.
1: I mean, I feel like you could have done a solid four hours on just graystoning. So, I mean, I feel like there's plenty more we could have said. And we are, in fact, cutting ourselves off short <laughs> with just the three hours and 45 minutes.
0: This is close to, if not our longest podcast ever um yeah. and you know i think it was well deserved it was a good episode with a lot of really meaty stuff to talk about and a lot of subjects that i'm very glad that you and i have been able to explore that fish yeah Me too. until next time fish don't hook up with ben while i'm gone i'm a fish bye,
1: bye everyone.